Okay, guys, welcome to the first episode of the Raspberry Rate Podcast of 2017. What's the date today? What's the date today? Today, fifth, right? Is January sixth. Sixth. Okay, so it's the first episode today. I'm in. A, I'm actually in Dubai. Um, I'm here teaching for the month. And uh, I'm very lucky because I have a very good friend of mine who I haven't seen in a long time who is living over here. So finally, I got to sit down and chat to him. Uh, it's Ricky Rout, who used to be my student back at Mill Hill about, what, three, four years ago? About four years about ago. About four years ago. And he's moved out to Dubai. And now he's the assistant instructor at uh, Team Nogueira Dubai. Just got his black belt like three weeks ago. Yep. So it's pretty cool. Fresh. And And he's an absolute jiu-jitsu nerd <laughs> so today's episode we are going to be um we're, we're basically we're going to do a discussion episode today with ricky and we're going to talk about ufc we're going to talk about ufc 207 we're going to talk about ryzen and we're going to do a rundown of jiu-jitsu in 2016 and maybe a preview of what we've got got to look forward to in 2017 hell well. yeah man so Let's get straight into it. Well, to begin with, how you doing, Ricky? You're right. Well, I'm doing good. Well, thanks for having me here. It's pretty cool. It's my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Um, so to start with, let's start with UFC 207, right? Yes. That was a pretty cool card. That was a pretty intense card. Yeah, that was that was crazy. I thought it was uh, going to be a little bit weak after they dropped. Um, Cain Velasquez had to pull out again, right? Yeah, man. His injuries need to. Yeah, he's I having ha- some serious issues. I was having this conversation with with. Uh, with a couple of people, which is, they're doing something wrong there. Yeah, man. I mean, it's over and over again. It's not, yeah. it's not the first time this happened. Because he might be one of the best. He's probably the best heavyweight MMA fighter. Man, that dude is a heavyweight with like the cardio of like what? Yeah. A lightweight. You yeah, know? yeah, he's yeah. Like, who you see moves like that at heavyweight? Yeah, it's ridiculous. He, he, he's one of the best guys out there. And he's probably not going to be remembered as that because... Yeah. He keeps on getting injured. Unfortunately, man. I, he, has, he, has, he had like a back surgery, right? Or something recently? Yeah. He had, I, th- I think he had like at least one or two back surgeries. And I think he's having another one. I think that's what yeah. this problem is now. Because I think he was scheduled to fight. Yeah. And, and he's like, I'm supposed to have back surgery, but I'll fight anyways, yeah. right? So something like that. And yeah, because I remember that, that like it came out about a week before he officially pulled. It came out that he wasn't going to be able to fight. And then he was saying, no, he's fine. But he was taking, he was taking CBD oil. I think oh, to, yeah, yeah. To, to, to deal with the pain from the back injury. So he was having to take that stuff <laughs> to be able to train. And then I think because of that, they were just like, well, you can't fight then, which kind of makes sense if you're having yeah, to medicate yourself. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a shame, but we had a really, really cool card anyway. So let's start with um, uh, TJ Dillashaw. Did you watch that fight? TJ Dillashaw and uh, John Lineker. Yeah. I did not watch that fight. I watched the other two fights. Dude, that, that was a good fight. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a good fight. TJ just looked, um, he looked fast and he looked good. Like, Lineker is a little bit one-dimensional. You know, he wasn't great at defending takedowns, but the speed of of uh, Dillashaw's shots were something that I haven't seen in a long time. They were yeah, very, very good. Man, yeah. he's always one of those guys that just movement, movement, yeah. movement. Yeah. He's in and out. It's just uh, watching the flash. Yeah, yeah, no, he was he was ridiculously fast, and he was just dominating him on the ground. At the end, he actually he did a rolling back take, uh, and went for a uh, well, he did a, he did a roll and um, went for the knee separator, like right at the end of the fight. The and calf it was, crush. It was the calf crush, yeah, uh, and it was on. Um, I don't think it's people tend not to tap to that, <laughs> but but it was on. You know, if you were doing that in the gym, you probably would have tapped to it. I remember uh, I fought in the Euro Nogi like two thousand twelve. And I did a, 
I did a rolling back take on the guy in the finals and didn't finish the back take. And I got a calf crush on him. And I pulled this his leg down with every ounce of strength that I had. And he did not tap at all. <laughs> he just wasn't having it. And afterwards, <laughs> like he was limping off afterwards. But my calf was smashed for like two weeks. <laughs> I was limping for two weeks because I was like, crushing my own calf trying to crush his. So, a bit uh, of deep tissue work for yourself. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. I don't have the biggest, strongest calves. So maybe that was something to do with it. But yeah, people just tend not to uh, tap to those sort of things that are kind of more pain you know, I guess like some people really have a high pain threshold. Like, yeah. for example, like uh, I don't know if you remember watching uh, Sean Roberts and AJ Agazar back yes. in the Lloyd yes. Irvin. Yeah, 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 man, that thing looked like there was like three other people who tapped yeah. the exact same calf slice, yeah. right? You see AJ rolling from AJ, all over the AJ spot. AJ is tough as yeah. shit. He is tough as shit. I, like, um, he's only been submitted a few times with joint locks. And and even when he does, they look like they broke his arms broken about three times before. I've seen a few kimuras, a few yeah. arm bars, and yeah. just like yo, yeah, what? yeah. Some people have a higher threshold, man. It's just well, like uh, the Meow brothers' feet. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's made of of regular bone. No, I think somehow they they found a way to like. I think I think I think I might have the secret to it. Okay. I think that they don't have bones. I think it's like a shark thing that's going on here. Yeah, you yeah. know how like sharks don't have bones? Evolution, they have, man. They just have cartilage. <laughs> I think the meows have taken a back step in evolution <laughs> and their body's just made of, uh, the body's not made of bone. They're made of cartilage, so they've got a little bit more give. Yeah, yeah. Because they fight some big guys who grab onto their feet and try and rip them off and nothing happens. Man, what comes to mind is, uh, I, I, I think everyone has seen it. This one toe hold. Yeah. That like yeah. meow's foot, like his heel is touching his big toe. Yeah, it's Almost, ridiculous. you know? yeah. So um so th- that that was a good fight. So let's move on to um the 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 surprise Cody versus Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz hell yeah man who would have who would have like bet money on that. Well <laughs> <laughs> I have never ever gambled. Or I've never ever put a bet down. I've been watching like MMA for like 12 years now like religiously. Big 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 fan of the sport. And I've never, ever put a bet down, ever. <laughs> and um, this was the first ever event <laughs> that, I, that I gambled on. And it might be because I'm in Dubai and it's illegal here. Um, it may have been a, the taboo thing that is why I wanted to do it. So I rang back home and I told my mate, I said, put some money down on... <laughs> as soon as I say this, I'm gonna, everyone's going to lose their respect for my opinion. But I said, put some money down on... Uh, on uh, Dominic, because I thought thought it was a sure thing, and on Ronda as well. <laughs> we had the discussion a couple of days before. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Dominic in the second and Ronda in the second. Yeah, yeah, I, I had them both by finishes as well. <laughs> uh, TK over for um, Dominic and a sub for Rousey, but but I was convinced. Yeah, well, that, that's why I don't gamble, and I'll never be <laughs> I'll never be gambling Less on MMA like, again. Yeah, so that was I, I was kind of glad that that happened. If I'd won, maybe I'd got the bug, but I didn't. So, um, I thought that. All of the smack talk, and nobody smack talks as well as Dominic Cruz does. He's got that full, like, American psycho, completely calm, but just being yeah. super passionate. He has his own style. Yeah, I like it. Um, and I just thought that Cody, he was getting so worked up in the press conference. I was sure that he was going to come out super aggressive. Start throwing bombs. Yeah, that he was, I, I, I thought it was going to be very similar to um, the McGregor-Aldo, where Aldo just got so worked up that he let the emotions get a hold of him and instead of going with the game plan, run out, try and knock him out and get caught. And I thought that was going to be exactly what would happen. And then it gets to the fight and Cody just looks 
composed as fuck. Man, he stuck to that plan. He he was just, but he just looked calm the entire time. He never, you know, he, even when he uh, he had the chance to run in for a finish, when he smelt the blood, he wasn't diving in. You know, when he when he knocked him down in the, I think in the third and the fourth, in the fourth, it was either the third or the fourth. He knocked. I think him down it was like the fourth four, one. Yeah, four yeah. times. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't running in to try and finish him. He was super composed. And then uh, Dominic was chasing him the whole time. I think that's where I think that's where Dominic yeah. sort of fell behind because he's yeah. not he's not the fighter that goes after you. He's yeah. a he's the guy that bobs and weaves and gets his footwork going, makes you chase him, and counters. But that's where he got into a brawl, and that's where I think. Uh, he yeah, fell it was. Yeah, I woke up in the morning. I watched that, and I couldn't believe it. You know, and uh, I I think I watched the I watched the Ronda fight first. And I was like, okay, well, my bet's lost. <laughs> so, you know, at least uh, hopefully Dominic can shut up this this guy. And uh, yeah, he was he was very very impressive, very yeah, impressive. Man, even uh, like uh, like going into round five, you know, he was already. I think it was, I think it was safe to say it was probably three one at that point, right? Yeah, there, there's kind of debate over the first two rounds. Um, I I need to rewatch it. I think that you know, I think that Cody was pretty dominant. I yeah. think that, uh, but but. The first two rounds were close, and then the third and the fourth were were quite kind of lopsided. Yeah, yeah, and then he just coasted through that fifth round. And yeah, there was a lot of break dancing. There was a lot of taunting. Dude, he did a birthday yeah. at one point. <laughs> I was like, "Good on you, man." Um, well, if you've you've got in someone's head and he's chasing you around, how are you going to get him to be even more erratic? <laughs> it's just by kind of just bobbing and weaving and dodging all of his attacks, and then dancing in front of him is going to send anyone through the roof, isn't it? So um, that was super super impressive. Yeah. Um, did you see the post-fight conference with Dominic Cruz? Uh, I saw highlights of it. It it's, was it was very very cool. I mean, the way he took it—that's yeah. that's the way you're supposed to take it. Man, yeah, and, and kind of it kind of makes me think of. Um, obviously, we're going to get onto that next, but but talking about Ronda Rousey and kind of this huge hatred that people have for Ronda, and obviously, whenever you get a really big following, you're gonna. You know, the bigger you are, the harder you yeah, fall. Absolutely. But if you compare Ronda Ronda's, Ronda's hype to her fall, and compare that to Conor McGregor's hype and his fall after the Nick, the Nate Diaz fight, it was nowhere near as bad. And the reason for that was it's nothing to do with how big they are because they were the same. Really, they were both superstars. Yeah. And they both got finished and, and embarrassed. Really, both of them got embarrassed. Um, but the difference between Ronda and uh, Conor was Ronda disappeared, didn't shake Holly's hand and then went AWOL for months, you know, which is just yeah. kind of, you, you don't do that, right? That I think that is why she got so many people lost respect for her. Whereas Connor, right after the fight said, he was the better man, he got me, we'll come back, we'll do it again. Um, so I think that's a big difference. And Dominic Cruz, that was one of the coolest post-fight co- conferences I've ever seen. Yeah. The, the guy, the guy, the first thing he said, the first guy asked him a question. If if you haven't seen it, uh, if you're listening, you haven't seen it, go and watch it because it's like such a a guy of that caliber. Someone I don't think he's lost a fight in ten years. I know oh, he's, man. He's, he, he spent injured. the majority of that injured, <laughs> but he hasn't lost a fight in a very you know that's yeah. a that's a long time to not lose a fight to not be used to that feeling. Uh, ten years is a very very long time. Uh, you get used to not ever losing. Um, and the first question, yeah. So if you haven't seen it, go watch the whole thing because it's very very cool to see. Um, but the first thing someone said is like, uh, hey, Dominic, uh, you know, tough, tough night tonight. And he said, why? Well, you know, because you lost. 
losing's part of you know it's part of life. It was simple as that. It's not a tough night. It was a good night, and I was the I was the wasn't the better man on the day. Simple as that. You're that's like, that, oh, that winner mindset. Yeah, it is. Absolutely, it is. Um, so yeah, I've got. Uh, I don't think anyone could lose respect for Dominic um, after that fight. That was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. So yeah, I think Ronda needs to take some lessons. Yeah, the yeah. on her uh, sportsmanship. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's move on to her. The, yeah, that was my my second my second bad estimation of the night. I thought she was gonna. She looked good. She looked like she was in good shape, like really good shape. Oh, yeah, yeah, she looked fit, like she, she looked in good she condition. She looked in the, like the best condition that I think I've seen her. Like uh, there were a couple of pictures came out beforehand of like like when I thought, oh shit, you know, I'm 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 putting my money down <laughs> on this. Like she looks really good, um, and <clears throat> there are there, you know she was saying that. A lot of people got worried about her saying that she doesn't have, uh, you know, she, she's only got a f- couple of fights left in her. And people say that when that, ha- <clears throat> when, when that happens and you've only, you know, you, you acknowledge the fact that your career is coming to an end, you know, that's a half, you know, one foot out the door, one foot in, you're not fully committed yeah. and stuff like that. But I think from her perspective, it's, it's really all about legacy. You know, it's not, it's not a money thing. Obviously, it's not a money thing. It's about a legacy thing. She wanted to go. She never had the fight again after Holly. She wanted to come back and she was super motivated to do that. So you imagine she was working really hard to make sure she all she cared about was winning this fight. So I thought, you know what? This is, you know, I reckon she's going to come out with a lot of fire and she's going to uh, she's going to be hard to put away. And um, she was literally the opposite of, you know, she lost out. She, she was she was done within 15 seconds. You know, like well, like yeah. she she the first shot she took that rocked her was what fifteen twenty seconds. There was in? no coming back and then from she, that. Man. And then she was just running around the it's cage, a, it's getting just hit. A downhill slope. Yeah. So um, obviously, in- interestingly enough, with this, I think people haven't really gone in on Ronda that hard, have they? Compared to the last time, they can't. Oh, I think there's almost a level of pity there. Um, everyone's going in on their coach. Well, yeah, man. Uh but like yes. compared, it, it, I, I found it really interesting just to see, which was it was all Ronda's fault when she lost to Holly. And it's all, and it seems to be like it's all uh, Tarverian, Tov- Emma Tarverian's fault now. Because it was a boxing showcase. It was, yeah. a, it was a showcase on how to not defend boxing. Yeah. Oh, no, it was terrible. It was like, I can, I'm, I'm in complete agreement <laughs> with this. Um, I've just, I've, I don't think I've ever seen people just go directly aggressive towards the coach more than the fighter yeah. before that's a, like a really interesting dynamic that i haven't seen before i think that there, pro- there probably aren't many people out there worse coaches out there, <laughs> out there than edmund so it kind of makes sense but it just seemed like uh did, did you listen to the the audio from the did you hear that the the, the fight audio from um the corner man audio from from edmund yeah i, yeah. I heard it yeah well. yeah um so it was pretty funny and there's a lot of funny memes going out there now. So I'm all for that. But uh, yeah, it was very interesting. And, and then the question is, of course, what's she going to do next? Man, I don't know if you heard, uh, Team Alpha Male is calling out to Ronda. Yeah. Come and train with them. She's like, if you want to do a comeback, we'll help you out. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> I saw uh, Cyborg offer to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. She offered... Uh, I think that's kind of, yeah, she likes to keep herself uh, in, the, in, the, in, in, in the papers there by <laughs> doing shit like that. Um, yeah, you know, what, what do you reckon? Do you reckon she's done? Man, it's, this is not a good way to like 
and end her end her legacy. You know, I mean, I'm sure she's got a couple more that she's got to go out on a high note. Maybe she might not do a championship run, but man, there could be a better ending to that story. It's a very tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very tough one. Um, I don't think she's gonna fight again. I think she's done. I think, and and you know what? I don't think that she wanted that last fight either. I, the, the, the Nunes fight. I don't think she, she, she. I don't think she wants to be champion again. I don't think she wants to dominate MMA again. I think that she was like she was so embarrassed by that Holly Holm fight that she had to prove. You know, she had to prove herself that, that it was over. But I don't think she was a hundred percent committed to it. And and you know what the um, when she lost when she when she, the fight got stopped. That looked like relief to me. Yeah, she, you know, like her face was like, "Thank God." Yeah, and 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 I don't think it was relief that she'd stopped getting her face punched in. That to me looked like this is over. You know, you know, like that, like not not hungry. Like, why did you stop it? Not hungry. Like, I can't believe I've not not like the Holly home fight when the confidence was high. Yeah, and she got stopped, and it was and she was gutted. That's not what I saw there. When they stopped the fight, that was this pressure's off of me. It's done. And, I mean, she, and, like, she was still standing, and then yeah. they stopped the fight, and she she just took the she just took it. She yeah. just took the stoppage. Oh, she she was out on her feet, one hundred percent. But I think uh, I think she was relieved not that the not that the that she stopped being attacked, <laughs> assaulted. <laughs> uh, I think she was relieved that the fight was over and that she that she was free. You know, it's a very. I, I've never fought on anything of that level, you know? Yeah. Um, and I doubt I ever will fight on anything of that level. You're talking about the biggest stage in one of the biggest sports in the world at the moment and definitely one of the, you know, I would say the second biggest name in MMA, to be honest with you. Realistically, yes. she's the second biggest name in MMA. Um, and he, arguably the biggest name in women's sport, you know, may, maybe bar a couple of tennis players. Really, I think in, in MMA sport, like all the ladies that are there right now have to thank her for, 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 for and, the road and, she's and paved. They do. And they do. Absolutely. You they know? do, yeah. Like regardless of all the hatred right now, obviously, you know, yeah. there's like a, there's all that. But yeah. man, like like before her, it was uh, it was uh, Strike Force. Yeah. And, and and Dana said he'll never have women in the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. He said that. He said, we, 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 you know, I, I don't like women in the UFC. Um, and I, you know, I don't like women fighting. They'll never be in the UFC. And that was when uh, in back in the Gina Carano days. Yeah, Gina Carano. She, and, she was uh, she was before Ronda. A lot of people don't know who she is. She was like a pretty, uh, a, a, like as in attractive and a dominant champion in MMA. Uh, good fighter. She was the Ronda when there wasn't a big stage for a Ronda. Yeah. And then Ronda came in and blew it up. And then Dana realized, oh shit, I can make money from this. A lot of money from this. Yeah. And uh, and then created the the, the the women's divisions in the US. How's about women women headlining the card? Yeah, that that was a big step. That yeah. was a huge step, yeah. and it's all possible because of Ronda. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I think that all of the women out there accept that. Um, maybe apart from Cyborg, who <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like yeah. it. He thinks that she just yeah, she just gets it for her looks. But um, yeah, I think a lot of the, the, you have to respect for what she's done. Um, she might have been able to handle herself in a little bit more of a graceful way, um, but yeah, there's not there's a surprising little amount of hatred to Ronda at the moment. So it'll be very interesting to see what she does next. Um, personally, I think she's done. I think she can go and chill out and do something else. 
you know i think there's so much pressure i can't imagine the amount of pressure that she has on a day-to-day basis let alone when she's like preparing for a fight and all eyes are on her that's fucking that's horrible man and at this point she has options yeah. so many options you know it's yeah. fighting is not a necessity anymore no well she this got is, paid three million for that yes. for that last fight and i don't know if that includes a um pay-per-view cut which i imagine she gets a pay-per-view cut she wouldn't have she would have got her contract written up yeah. back in the day when she was a champion um and i don't see any possible way that that wouldn't have in, included a pay-per-view no, but cut. i think it was three million disclo- like, so it was a three million disclosed purse right yeah yeah so yeah there's exactly like- yeah which um which a lot of people are moaning about because Amanda Nunes, I think, got a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand. Hey man, contract's it's not a, a contract. Yeah, exactly. What sells? Is what <laughs> and, sells? And this, a lot of people get really upset about how much people are getting paid. Um, you know that one person's getting paid a lot more than the other one, even if they lost. That's nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, there's this whole thing that uh, Dana was talking quite candidly about recently about um, uh, Tony Ferguson was offered a, a title fight with Kabit. A, a interim title fight yeah with Khabib so so like for those who don't know they've they are making an interim fight for Connor's belt for his lightweight belt and then they've stripped him of his featherweight belt given that belt to Aldo and then then uh, and then obviously made an interim belt for that which yeah what's was, up with that what's up with the what, what do you think the strategy is behind that I really didn't understand it um I think, well, they had like a disaster with that card, right? Yeah. That a load of people pulled out and they ended up, um, it was uh, Rumble Cormier 2. So they had that title fight there. And then a number one contender yeah. fight for the for the um, featherweight title. A lot of people are speculating that they made that a interim belt fight to just have a championship fight on the card. I don't know about that. I, I think... That's a possibility, but it doesn't seem complete. It doesn't seem to really make sense. I think that there's a possibility that um, they are still not sure what Jose Aldo is doing. So made an interim belt in case he vacates. That way there's somebody to fall back on. Well, and then there's a champion. So if you have an interim champion and... Because it doesn't make sense to have an interim champion and a champion in the same division when they're both active. Right? That doesn't make sense. You have have a... a Interim champion when the champion isn't active. But Aldo's, he's as far fine. as I'm aware, yeah. he's fine. Ready to fight. So um, it is a little bit silly. It's a little bit silly. But now they're talking about Connor's going to take some time out. So um, the thing is, how long is he taking out? Or is they, again, again, it's just they don't really know. Because plenty of champions don't fight for a year. Yeah. You know? And, and they don't get stripped of their belt and they don't have an interim belt made. Is like Connor taking that long out? Because I imagine he'll be fighting in 2017. I'll be shocked if he do, if, if Connor isn't fighting by, by summer 2017, by the middle of 2017, I'd be shocked. I think that's what they said, right? It's gonna, he's going to start training like April, May, and then there, there's going to be a fight after that, sometime after that. There isn't, really isn't the need for an interim, in, interim title. There isn't yeah. a need for one. But I guess like you start adding belts and people get a little bit more excited. I think... I don't, I don't know there's definitely they feel like there's something on the line even if it's just made up <laughs> and it doesn't mean anything but um they offer Khabib um Ferguson which is the two number one contenders yes. and that that fight makes sense and Khabib uh, uh Ferguson turned it down because he wanted to get the same amount of money that Khabib was getting who has a better contract 
That's not how it works. No. <laughs> and this is what I love. Like Dana said this. You know, a lot of people give Dana a lot of shit. They give him a lot of shit. I like him. Okay. And I, I like him because he's straight up. He just says the truth. <laughs> so he'd just say, you know, what, what happened with this? Ferguson wanted the same amount of money as Khabib was. That's what contracts are for. <laughs> Khabib has a better contract than you. So he fights for what he's contracted, you know, <laughs> contractually obliged to fight for and you fight for what you fight for. And he had the same thing with um, Vadum. They offered, um, uh, Vadum was meant to fight Kane on UFC 207 and Kane pulled out and they offered him uh, Dos Anjos. Uh, not Dos Anjos. Uh, Junior Dos, An- Dos Santos. <laughs> Dos Santos. Not Dos Anjos. Uh, they, they offered him Junior Dos Anjos. I was like open weight the the UFC open weight championship goes to which would be which would not be a good fight Um, so they they, they offered him junior and he said yeah I'll do that for $800,000 and and and, 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 you know that wasn't his contract so uh, Dana basically said he turned the fight down you can turn the fight down by saying I don't want to fight or you can turn the fight down by saying I'll fight for (laughs) $800,000 so, so that's interesting. Yeah, a lot of you know, a lot of people talk about these uh, people getting fighters getting paid what they need to. Look, your manager's there to sign a contract that's good for you, and once you sign it, you do your fights and you win your fights, yeah. and then you can sign another contract. Next time, better re- renegotiate, buddy. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what there is for Ronda. They're, they're making a 145 pound division in the women's 145, and Holly Holm is fighting for that soon fighting for the 145 title so um that is essentially so cyborg can fight yeah. when, when is she back from her uh from her i think is she banned for a while when, when is she back um i think that's ongoing at the moment actually i don't know whether okay. that is they, 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 they haven't um officially suspended her okay. that i'm aware of so yeah she she um she had a urine sample that came back positive for a banned substance, but we're not sure what it is yet. She's playing, you know, pleading innocent, yeah, yeah. as you always do. Um, but obviously, she's been caught for testosterone and banned for testosterone in the past. Yeah. So um, the, the, the pleas of, uh, of, of innocence don't hold quite as much gravitas once you've already pissed hot, you know, for a steroid. Yes. Uh, especially when you look like Chris Cyborg does. Um, but yeah, I don't think they've announced that yet. But but they offered her a straight title match and she turned it down twice. Um, Dana just said, yeah, she's turned down these two fights and then everyone kind of went up in arms. And then she came out and publicly stated about how um, it, it her, the cutting weight is so hard on her body that basically she's going to, if she keeps doing this, she's going to die. <laughs> Man, those, like like the videos look brutal. Yeah, it, it looks it looks really, really bad. Yeah. You know, there's some videos out there, if people haven't seen it, most people have, but um, of her cut into 140. Yeah. Um, and she does look like she's going to die. <laughs> you know? It's like on the brink. Yeah. It's on the edge of the cliff. Yeah. Just about to go. Um, so they made a 145 pound. Div- what does she walk around at? I think like 170, man. No joke, one seventy one, at least. Yes, at least. Yeah, yeah. She's big. She is Man. big. Um. So yeah, that will be interesting. She's still going to struggle to cut down to one forty five, and she's still going to be very big for it. Um. But it will be interesting if we finally get to see her against a top level striker like Holly Holm. That's the fight that everyone wants to see. 
There's absolutely zero interest in a Chris Cyborg, Ronda Rousey. But uh, Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, or a Chris Cyborg, Amanda Nunes, if she moves yes. up to 145 and, and goes for a double, the women's Connor, uh, <laughs> that would be very interesting. And, you know, saying that as well, a Joanna versus um, Amanda would be an interesting fight as well. That would be a battle. That would be a striking yeah exquisite battle yeah so there there are some there are some like really interesting interdivision fights in the women's in the women's division um well as there are in the men as well i mean i think in the future that's going to be a thing it's going to be more common than i mean once once connor did it yeah now i think it's going to be a thing like yeah i think so as well i'm taking two belts yeah well like uh cody's talking about fighting connor and yeah yeah, yeah. and obviously connor was talking about fighting uh tyron woodley yes do you see the tyron woodley and michael bisbing no. Yeah, Tyrone Woodley and Michael Bisming uh, had like a, there's a video out there. They had like a face-off, uh, really? a confrontation with each other and they were kind of calling each other out. Um, and Tyrone saying, you know, um, they're, they're talking about having a, a catchweight match at 180. Um, but I think since then, Tyrone said, fuck it, I'll do it at 185 for the for the belt because <laughs> why not? But he was it was funny because Tyrone's going like, uh, uh, Bisming's calling him a little man and he's going, what do you want? Because I weigh, I weigh two, two oh five right now or two ten right now, and you're two hundred. I'm bigger than you, and shit like that. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, you know, it really is happening like that, and um, yeah, you know, so Tyrone's looking at fighting the lightweight champion, looking at fighting the middleweight champion, um, but then a lot of people get upset about these big super fights in between weights because they want to see the champions defend their belts against the top guys in their own divisions. So it's. But also, how exciting is that fight? It is. Yeah, I, 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 I think that the Tyron Woodley versus Bisping is a very. Like, I would wake fight. up at five a.m. to watch yeah. that fight. Yeah, because fights here in Dubai show at like early, yeah. super early in the morning. Yeah, I would wake up early in the morning to watch that fight. Yeah, well, I, I watched. Uh, I didn't just wake up, but the Bisping versus Henderson, which was in Manchester in the UK, that was on at the US time live in the UK. Yeah, yes. Wait, how yes. did that work? So yeah. what time did they fight? They fought at five in the morning. <laughs> yeah, legit. Right. Yeah, legit. Like I, I, th- I think a lot of the people in the UK know that, but a lot of people don't because they just think it was another card. But Dan Henderson Bisping card, stop, that, that card started at like, you know, the main card started at three in the morning. So, so there was an arena in Manchester full of people and they left at half five, six in the morning. <laughs> It was crazy. It was like the guys coming over from America who usually would have to suffer with the jet lag to fight on a UK time were actually having the advantage in the jet lag because they were fighting in American time and the guys who were in the UK fighting in their own city were having to deal with a fake jet lag, fake jet lag. having to fight at five in the morning. You know, unless you've been out for a night out, very rarely do you have yeah. fights at that sort of hour. So um, It's like bringing, we're coming and we're bringing jet lag with us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that was the the only way that they were going to have a big a big numbered card where they could sell pay per view in another yeah. country. Because if they have it at uh, whatever normal English time, they can't sell the pay per view. They had to yeah. allow it for free. So that was the compromise. I don't know if they'll do it again, uh, but I'm glad I went because that was cool, man. Because like, the whole place was going crazy for uh, Bisping, obviously. Yeah. Like I've never seen anyone go crazy. The the, the closest was. Um, when I saw Anti Joshua in in uh, the O2, they love him. <laughs> they're, they're going crazy for him. Uh, but but they um, 
yeah, they were going nuts for Bisping. And then I think it was the end of the first, Henderson lands this H-bomb. And I thought it was done. And I lost my mind. Bisping <laughs> takes it. I lost my mind. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, I thought I was going to be attacked by a load of Manx, but luckily I was all right. Um, but yeah, definitely some interesting stuff going on with the UFC. Let's move on to, uh, I think, an event that happened over three days. Ryzen. Ryzen, yes, yeah. the Grand Prix. Did it happen over three days or two? They, I know that it was on more than one day. They had the. the I think I think it was because because it was an eight man tournament, right? Yeah. So I think it was two days. It was. They had was one fight on the first day and two fights on yes, the second day. Yes. Okay. So Krokop. Krokop looked. How old is he? Pretty old. He's pretty old, right? Pretty old. He looked like an he absolute looked, monster. He looked jacked. Yeah, he did. Something about that uh, Usada not being yeah. in uh, in Japan and that whole thing. That, I think I think is the I think is the fresh like fresh fish. Yes, because you know the, yes. all the, all that nuclear waste runs yeah. into the fish. <laughs> so if you eat sushi in Japan, you get he jacked. he looked kind of uberim like you know yeah, he, was, he was he was in and he finished all three fights by TKO in in minutes. Yeah, um, the first fight was against King Mo, um, and the second fight was against some like giant sumo guy, and he finished him with a with a with a knee. Like a like a off the off the ropes, yeah. Just a knee to the stomach, and the guy went down. And then the final was against the big. Um, I think it's uh, Ali Akbari. Yeah, Akbari. Yeah. yeah, that dude's a beast, and he is a beast. Yeah, and he and he got he, he was finished within a couple of minutes yeah. by Krokop, um, which was pretty awesome. He retired since then. Yes, again, again, yeah. But I think I think he said something to do with health problems that he he actually couldn't fight anymore. Okay. Which makes sense because he's been fighting a long time. And he's been in this game for, man, back back in the day when I first started watching MMA, yeah. Kokop was taking heads off, man. Yeah, he was the best. He was one of the best heavyweights in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, he was, he, you, you, you could really make an argument that he was number two for many years behind Fedor. Yeah. For, for many years. And that, which was why it was such a shock when he came to the UK, uh, came to the UFC. And, uh, Gabriel Gonzaga kicked his goddamn head off. He, he croaked up. He croaked up. <laughs> croaked up, man. He gave him the the craziest taste of his own medicine yeah. that I've ever seen. <laughs> it was that was yeah, nuts. That was nice. um, so yeah, Krokop, awesome guy, absolute legend. Um, will go down as one of the greatest of all time for sure. Um, pretty cool to see him. That's how you go out. Yeah, that's that is. I can't think of because because I've had this conversation with people in the past. Name me one legendary fighter who's gone out, you know, or, or name me a handful, as many as you can, legendary fighters in MMA that have gone out on the top, gone out on a high note. That's tough, it man. It does not happen. The only guy that I can think of, uh, of, like right now, is is GSP. He went out on a win, but even that win was very close. Man, how much criticism did he take for that? Yes. Yeah. So you know that that was such a tight fight to retire on that that even even though it was a win, it wasn't yeah. on top. It wasn't in his super dominant days. No champions, greatest of all times, Anderson Silvers. Yeah, no. You know, you know, career goes on for too long. Your Chuck Liddell, your Chuck Liddells, your Randy Couture's. Yeah. You know, getting head kicked by Machida, karate yeah, kicked man. by Machida. Um, yeah, all of them. Your, your Ch- Chuck Liddells, your Vanderlei Silvers. He was, yeah. he was he was the best. Yeah, man. He, he was, was the best he at was one a point. Animal. Yeah, uh, your Vanderlei Silvers, your uh, your Rampage, Fe- Rampage. You know, Fedor. Fedor. All, all of these top guys 
they either fight for a little bit too long or they get caught in the end. You know, yeah. the Fedor was invincible. And as soon as that aura that, around him was broken, he, he, he got the shit kicked man, out of him. That triangle yeah. this, this like shocked that the, changed the, the universe. Game. Yeah, it did. That, that really did change the game. There was no one out there as dominant as Fedor was. Um, and that triangle after that, Dan Henderson killed just, him killed him from under his body yeah. with a you know from turtle uh bigfoot silver just yeah. just smashing the shit out of him um do you see his last fight fatal's last fight he uh, fought some he fought some bomb in russia and yeah I've, he had a well, well, very well, tough fight man very tough fight well, wait is it did he have another one after the fabio uh what's his name fabio maldonado I'm not sure if he's had... I think he has, but he fights very low-key now. Yeah, it's not yeah. the same. Um, but he looked terrible. It's, it's really sad to see a guy like that who was so... an MMA god yeah. go out like that. So um, even though Krokop isn't in his prime, to go out on an old-school style three uh, eight-man Grand Prix yeah, with three first-round finishes, that, like, please, for the love of God, <laughs> sit down, crack a beer... <laughs> And re- enjoy the rest of your life because that's how you go out. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. We had a uh, Chrome Gracing for uh, Tetsuya Kawajiri. Nice. I wouldn't have known or said been able to say that. So well done. Um, I didn't watch the fight. Did you watch the fight? I watched the end of the fight. Yeah, I seen the end of the fight. Yeah, the finish. Well, we, yeah, we all know that. Yeah. yeah. So um, he's looking good, man. He's looking good. He looks like he's doing the right things, training yeah. with the right people, right yeah. mindset. You know. He's looking to build his career. What, what, what do you think he's going to do with his career? How do you think it's going to be the, tra- the trajectory? I think at the moment, it's very difficult to, to really do anything in MMA outside of the UFC. I really do. I really do think that these, these, these Japanese events are fringe events. And you're never going to be a global superstar unless you're in the UFC. You can be great, but... That, that you know they'll know you, the the hardcore MMA guys will know who you are the Japanese in you know, MMA fans and crowd will know who you are but there is nothing that compares to the marketing machine that is the UFC if you want to be the a star a real star you got to be in the UFC hell yeah man so for me personally that's where I want to see him go cuz cuz he's going to have legit fights against you know, the top guys in the world. There's no one out there who's the top guy in the world who isn't in the UFC, realistically, is there? I mean, there is an argument at 1FC. There's a couple of guys that are, that are in that little bracket, but, but they're not like the top of the top. But, but, and you can say the same about Bellator as well. Yes. You know, they picked up some really top guys, but the problem with a, with a division is that a couple of guys don't make a division. Yeah. You need, to have, you need to have it stacked all the way through. You need to have a bunch of hungry wolves. Exactly, exactly. And um, I don't think anyone has that but the UFC. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure that anyone is ever going to be able to, to overcome that. I really don't. I think that they are, I do think that they're too big to fail at the moment. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, it's going to be very interesting with the um, changes that are going to happen in 2017 with, with the new owners. Yeah. Because they're changing a lot. The, the, a lot of people thought... Um, when they got bought, it was only a couple of months ago that it all went through. Yeah. The first, I think UFC 200 was the first event uh, under the new owners. I, I thought it was right after the Brock Lesnar fight was the sale, no? I think it was right after 200. 200, right after. Okay, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe. Um, 
something around about that yeah. time anyway. It wasn't long ago. Okay. And um, they've made a lot of changes. They got rid of a lot of people. Um, you know, even you know more recently, they've got rid of. Obviously, they got rid of Joe Silver, who was the yeah. matchmaker for many years. That's going to be interesting change to see yeah. how they're going to. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, they got rid of Mike Goldberg. Yeah. How are they going to change that dynamic with Joe Rogan and Goldberg? Yeah. So that that's going to be interesting. Kind of, I think people like Goldberg because he was kind of terrible, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Joe Rogan was always there to correct him, and it was always funny. But you know that that's when you say UFC, when you that is the sound of UFC. It's the personality. Exactly. That, 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 you know, when, when you hear UFC, that's what you hear. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to see what they do with that. They were a little bit shitty in how they did it because he's been there for 15 years. A long time, maybe longer, uh, maybe close to 20 years. Time, you know, he, he's been there for a very long time. UFC 207 was his last event. And unless you were watching MMA sites and news sites and stuff like that and you were really into it, you never would have known. There they was no send off, no, no farewell, send off, no nothing. Yeah, that's pretty shit, man. That's pretty shit. Hey, fifteen years, man. Yeah. So uh, I know that his his family aren't very happy with it. I'm sure he's not too pleased either. But um, but yeah. So the kind of shitty thing to do. But it's gonna be very interesting to see what the UFC do in 2017. A whole year of implementing new changes and stuff like that. It's gonna be very interesting. So let's see, man. Quarter one, 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, the, the cards have been great since they took over. Yeah. You know, like re, re, I was talking to Andy about this a little while ago, which was the UFC was looking a little bit stagnant, I would say, for the first half of, of 2016, maybe the end of 2015. They were putting on a lot of shows and they weren't very exciting. The last six, nine months. Been blockbuster. Yeah. Blockbuster every, 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 after blockbuster. Every, even the even the little events. I watched um that that card uh, with um Tony Ferguson and Anti Pettis fighting for the uh, interim one forty five. Sorry, not um not for was it Ferg- not Ferguson? No, um, Max Holloway. Max Holloway. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Anti Pettis fighting for the fighting for the uh, one forty five. That was an awesome card. I watched it live because I was out in America for EBI at that time. So I stayed up and watched it. And that was, all of the fights were good. You know, that's the thing. that It's just exciting to watch. So um, I'm way more interested in MMA than I was maybe 12 to 18 months ago. Um, So they're doing some, you know, (laughs) something's going right. So I'll be interested to see where they go from there. But yeah, that that goes back to the Crone thing, which is, um, I know he's got like a massive soft spot for Japan, as do you know that yeah. lineage of the family yeah. but i do think that he uh he needs to do what roger did which is try you know the, i think there was one other gracie who had one fight in the ufc it was hollish yeah yeah and it didn't go well no and uh i i think that's where he needs to go you know i think i think roger roger did it the right way which is go in and try and to fight against the absolute best that didn't go as well unfortunately but I think that he's got to give it a try. It would be very sad to see Crone never be in the UFC. Yeah. Well, we'll see, man. You know, but after Rogers is in the UFC, man, now he looks. Uh, it looks like he's been doing his his, his work real good. And uh, how good did his stand up look? Yeah, and it <clears throat> it will be interesting to see him if he decides to move back over. Yeah. There, you know, I I think I I'm not. He's fighting at two o five now, isn't he? Yes. 
the 185 is a terrible decision. He was yeah. fighting at 185 in the UFC, I think. And that weight cut was ridiculous. I think he even said that he, he wasn't it was ridiculous. used to this. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, he is very tall and very large and very wide. And he isn't holding much fat and he's just not meant to be. <clears throat> That's 84 kilos. <laughs> That's 84, 84 kilos. Kilo. He's like six foot four, five. He's big. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a that was just that was all kinds of wrong. So it'll be interesting to see if he goes back in and goes in at two oh five. Would be very interesting. I'd I'd like to see that. See uh, Roger back in the UFC at two oh five. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, last fight on the Ryzen card. Gabby Garcia. <laughs> yeah, how was that fight? Where'd you Where'd you bet your money? <laughs> um, I don't even know if the bookies would have paid out <laughs> after that. Um, so Gabby Garcia fights a 50-year-old ex-pro wrestler. Yes. Who is looks like she's held together by duct tape. She like knees are wrapped up like not not wrapped up no, like like her knees are strapped up like, like she just plastic. had surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in a cast. And the fight starts and she <laughs> and she goes to do a four a four wall <laughs> bounce. So she runs to the first wall, bounces off the like the 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 ropes, bounces off the ropes. Goes diagonally to the the wall ne- the rope next to it, bounces off that one, goes for the third one. As she goes for the fourth, she's <laughs> she's intercepted. <laughs> she's intercepted by Gabby Garcia, who's very confused at this point. Yeah, she's intercepted by Gabby Garcia, who, who like kind of runs into her, and because uh, because she was running very slowly. <laughs> it's all about the deception. I know that. I know that if. If she had hit she that, had fourth that fourth ring, that's that, it. that fourth wall, you guys would have seen this yeah. Super Saiyan. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. I was so gutted that she didn't, because some she was gonna. Here's the question. Here's, <laughs> <laughs> here's the question. Do you think she walked out to the ring with a game plan that when the bell goes, I'm bouncing off these ropes? I'm pretty sure she rehearsed it beforehand. What? So I want to know. I think she did as well. I, I don't think there's any way that you could get in front of a six foot something, hundred and something shredded Amazonian looking giant man, woman. Man, how much does Gabby Garcia fight at? You know? It, it, her weight's a funny thing because she's shredded, absolutely cut up. And I know that she's fought as heavy as 120 kilos. Yes. Um, Damn. I think. Wait. Let me. Let me. Let me see if I can check. But yeah, like I don't know if you remember Gabby Garcia back in the day, like yeah. back when she was like just like not not as shredded, but she was still quite quite large, you know, back in her jujitsu brown belt, early black belt days where she was just like sort of mauling people. Right now, yeah, she's just a different animal, man. Goddamn. Yeah, she's a totally different. She's a freak. Yeah. Uh, there, 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 there's, there is absolutely no point in her fighting MMA because she will never be able to fight. Who's out there? There's no one who. There's no one who can give her a competition because she's not that good in MMA. Very simply, yeah. she just isn't. She's just a physical specimen, an absolute physical specimen. Let me see. So she, they got her down here as a uh, 1.87 meters. How tall is that? 
That's like six That's foot two, six, six, two, six three. Six two, six three. 111 kilos they've got her here. 111 kilos. She's shredded. Yeah. She's jacked. shredded. Yeah, she's absolutely jacked. So, um, I don't know what they do with Gabby Garcia because watching her chase a 50-year-old woman around a ring as she tries to bounce off four walls and then uh, just mauling her, there's no technique yeah. there. And then and then some some other girl got into the. Did you see it afterwards? Yeah, the the, the post show antics. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get that. That was like, that was, was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. This is this is the thing with uh with with Japanese MMA. When it's good, it's great. It's it's when it, when badass. it when it's like uh you know a forty something year old crow cop knocking out three people and winning yeah. a Grand Prix. When it's uh, Hicks and Gracie's son. You know, dominating the scene just like his dad did with like, yeah. like taking the back, like yeah, ninja, the same, the same, the same uh, submissions that his dad was getting back in the day. That's amazing, and that's awesome. And the people who have been in the watching the sport for a long time, it's very nostalgic for them. It's very reminiscent of Pride and stuff like that. But then you forget about all of the crazy shit that used to go on, like a gigantic woman fighting an old lady, and then another woman getting into the ring and starting a fight with her and you know it was like um was it bellator that the the uh stefan bonner and tito were having there was it stefan bonner tito was having uh chel sonnen and tito were having like calling out each other and getting into the cage and all of this theatrical stuff that just looks so fake and what, so ridiculous. Either Bellator or Elite XC, you think? Yeah, one, one, one of the two. Those, one yeah. of the two. Uh, you know, Be- Be- Bellator, you can make the same argument for. Be- Bellator, ex- in my opinion, is a good example of an American version of Japanese MMA because they have great fights and they have great fighters and then they decide to put on something like Kimbo Slice and Dada 5000 <laughs> or Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock. Now, yeah, I, I think that that event was the biggest ever Televised. Like televised MMA yeah. of all time because it was free on whatever channel they, they show it on. I think it was the biggest watched MMA event of all time. But if you're going to get that, make the headline fight some, uh, Rory McDonald versus Benson Henderson. Like, do something. You know, you've got this John Fitch versus Benson Henderson. No, John but Fitch. then again, I think also it's like, who are they targeting? Yeah. I mean, like all, all MMA fans know, okay, man, John Fitch. Yeah. It, but... For pure theatrics, yeah. Well, uh, this is what I'm saying. That's why you have your Kimbo slice because yeah. it draws in the people. That's why it's got big numbers. But what I'm saying is that if you're going to draw in the big numbers, you're going to draw them in for something stupid. Show them something good as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like, bring them in with the Kimbo slice <laughs> is gonna uh, is gonna co-headline this event, and then the headline is going to be our two best high level legit MMA fighters and and like keep on throwing plugs the whole way through whilst they're waiting for this Kimbo slice fight. And they're going, oh, who's this guy? Oh, this is interesting. Oh, he used to be in the UFC. I've heard of the UFC. That's how you, that's how you use your freak shows to become legit. Yeah, it's build awareness. Don't, don't use your freak shows to show off your freak shows because it's just a waste of time. It takes away from the, a lot of the legitimacy of, uh, of, um, of, of the organization, which, which, which is sad because they can definitely be a legit organization. So, um, Okay. That's MMA done. It's time yeah. to move on to your specialty sh- subject. So, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, 2016 in BJJ, and uh, I have given you some homework to do before we did this, which was yes. uh, I want to I want to hear in your opinion what were 
some of the best fights, some of the best tournaments, the best fighters, all of that cool, stuff. Man. So take it away. Man, like nowadays, there's so many good events. There's so much good jiu-jitsu to watch. Not like before where you'd have to like watch just either the Mundials or just watch ADCC. Nowadays with like Copa Podio, they got EBI. Uh, they, they had an event in Studio 540. And... Even on a even on like a local level, they have all these like little shows as well. These sub only shows, these EBI rules shows. It's so cool now. The whole jujitsu movement yeah. is is diversifying. There, there's there's the, there's the IBJJF style. There, there's the, the submission only. There's the EBI style. It's really really cool, you know. So yeah, it's 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 this year or last year, 2016 yeah. has definitely been the biggest year in terms of growth of grappling shows absolutely man there's been an explosion this year i think it's somewhat to do with the you know whatever you think of him to do with the danaher death squad and gordon ryan and 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 gary tonnen uh going out and challenging people and putting themselves out there to be able to headline these shows you remember when 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 gordon ryan challenges someone they put him on a show well that's just the headline fight but then you get all of these other guys who get the fight around that but this year it's just been like Every week, there are a couple of sub-only shows yeah. in, in, in different countries around the world, and there are some big ones. You've got the, obviously, you've got Polaris. Yeah. Uh, you've got, um, thankfully, Metamoris is done. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, no Not, more Metamoris. I don't think they're done yet. I, they're they're going to pull out a couple more. I don't know if they are. I, I think, well, they, they, they ran these, uh, they were trying to run these Metamoris Challenger events, like yeah. tournaments, to make money back up to run another Metamoris and I don't think anyone entered them. I, I don't think they've run it. I, I know that they were going to run one in the UK. I don't, no one's going to enter, yeah. uh, which is good. Don't give him your money because he's not going <laughs> to, he's not paying his people, even if it is AJ. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, the, the Chel Sonnen one, the f- uh, submission underground. Yes. Yeah. That's a pretty good event. Too. Yeah. That's a, you know, I think he's running it off the back of an MMA event and, okay. and, and, and it's, yeah, I think that's, I think that's how it works. It's, it's like spliced in with the MMA show. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay. I well, think that, 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 they're putting on interesting fights. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like about when sub only people put on interesting fights, you know, so they put on, uh, well, interesting isn't always good. <laughs> John Jones versus Dan Henderson was an interesting fight, but not a good fight. <laughs> so, uh, but, but they're talking about, um, when when they have the ability to pull in MMA talent like that and get it against grappling talent, that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this year's definitely been a really really good year for 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 uh, a lot more jujitsu shows. And like you said, it seems like they're splitting into two camps now. Yeah, which is the sub only camp and the IBJJF camp. And the interesting thing is that they don't seem the people aren't crossing over that much. There's very few of them that are that are diverse enough to, exactly. like, to like do both. Which is which is funny because you have like um, the, the 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 two main camps of this team wise are the MG guys, the Marcelo Garcia yeah. team, and uh, Danaher Death Squad. Which is funny because they live you like, know five ooh, minutes from each other. Yeah, They're a few like blocks. two two blocks from each other, whatever. Um, and the MG guys are always taking the piss out of out of the Danaher Death Squad for never having world championships. IBJJF World Championships and then the Death Squad guys are taking the piss out of them for you know getting beat up in the sub only or not yeah. ne- never doing the sub only so uh, it's a shame that there's not more crossover between the two yeah man but then but then you get guys like uh, like uh, Philip Pena uh, Keenan Cornelius uh, Dylan Dennis that sort of that sort of do both you know and it's interesting to see this is how the how the game evolves um, 
With that whole, with the whole, like nowadays, there's, it seems like there's a resurgence in, in the whole leg lock movement. Nowadays, everybody's trying to study leg locks. Yeah. Just because of uh, the Dan Hurd desk squad, yeah. they just sort of, they put it out there that, you know, it's a system now and, and they're really good at it and they're dominating people with it just because of their, their superiority in this one domain. Yeah. Now you see everybody start studying all these intricate little, yeah, like Ashigarami, the 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 four eleven, the, yeah. the the inside saddle, all that stuff. It's 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 pretty cool to see the evolution just because of just because of one set of people, you know. Do you think that? Um, do you think that everyone's going to catch up and kill the fad? Um, I think it's just like every position ever. Yeah, I mean, in in the beginning, like uh, when uh, let's say back in. 2009 the 50 50 came out yep oh the 50 50 is the worst position ever we hate it da, da, da. and now look fast forward this many years it's a pretty legit position you see even at the at the bluebell level these guys are getting in and getting out like really efficiently if yeah. if the bluebells of today fought the black bills of like eight nine years ago in the 50 50 the bluebells yep. today would win just because of the they the, wouldn't know yeah, yeah. just because of the awareness um then same thing happened with the lapel guard same thing happened with with every every other position, I think the leg lock thing is, it's not new, but like the the awareness is now getting very wide, yeah. so that people are getting they're coming up more well rounded. Yeah, because they're aware. Do you think that? So, do you think that they are going to continue to be as dominant as they have been when it, when it, everyone else catches up to close to their level? Um, so, my, so, so kind of the, the question is is. If 2015 and 2016 have been the years of the leg lockers and the hill hookers, yes. is that going to continue into 2017, 2018, or are they going to be neutralized? I think neutralized. I mean, uh, like a good example of that, if, if, when, when you see guys like, uh, if you watched an ADCC, um, there was like, uh, there was a couple of fights. There was uh, Lepre versus Tanyan, and there was Tenkinio versus Eddie Cummings. Yeah. And, uh, and the moral of the story is a good base. Yeah defeats leg lock entries defeats leg locks right yeah. so i mean that sort of thing just um of course now if 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 you're if, if you see a guy with really good leg lock entries fight a guy uh with so-and-so combat base of course you know once he gets into the, the the heat of the battle once he gets really deep into a position of course like this guy's understanding is a lot better than than any other guy but man at, at the highest level it's really hard to get under someone's base like how, how often do you see like Lucas Lepre put in one of these positions. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen him put in this position. Yeah, um, I think same. Like uh, I, I saw a video of Marcel Garcia saying something. Is like, how do you defend leg locks? I just don't get my legs put in yes. the leg locks. Yeah, you know, so that sort of thing. Um, and also with with the little with the little I, I wouldn't say grip fighting or hand fighting. It's like position pummeling within the leg locks. Yeah, are getting a lot better even at the lower levels yes. nowadays. So. Yeah. As you see, like people coming up, all the new purple belts. There's there's a lot of these purple belt sub only shows, that where they're doing leg locks. So you see these guys coming up, you know, and just the the general like the general population is more educated with this. Yes. So I think it, it's gonna get neutralized. Yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting, and then it's always interesting to go, well, when that gets neutralized, what's, what's next? next? Yes, it's it's always exciting, you know. That's what, yeah. that's, that's the whole thing. Um, it's gonna keep evolving. Yeah, and then and then also I think. Uh, what the the evolution that's hot now, which is the leg locks and the hill hooks, more specifically, and the reaping, is really interesting because it's the it's diverting away from the gi, you know. Yes. Because one, the rules don't allow it, 
and obviously the gi means that the entries aren't as you know the, 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 these entries are mainly no gi entries yes. but then of course you can't use the leg lock positions and the submissions in the no gi that you can in the gi so right now in the no gi the the the, the, the high level elite level gi and elite level no gi i would say has never looked more different yes visually if you if you were to map out like uh, the human body and watch these two elite level nogi guys and two elite level gi guys without seeing what they were wearing, you'd be able to tell pretty easy which one was gi and which one was nogi yeah. because the styles are getting drastically more different. If you you know right right now what's hot with the with the gi is the lapel guard and the worm guard and all of that stuff and Baron Bolo and is kind of still going on at the lower weights as well. Whereas in the nogi they're all looking for these leg lock entries and heel hooking and, and reaping around. So it's very interesting how much they, those two are diverging apart. Um, I think right at this point in time, they are two different sports. Yeah. I think at this point in time, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and submission grappling are two completely different sports. I yeah. mean, uh, it's like basketball and American football. Yeah. They, they both have a ball. There, there's some similar characteristics. But they're yeah. In in the past, you, you could say there was a huge overlap. But as time passes by, the rules are different. Yeah. Of course, they're they're going to evolve to best suit their set of rules. And yeah. with time, you're going to see it get more and more further away from each other. Um. Yeah, I've definitely seen that more and more recently. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, man. So I mean, it's it's exciting. It's just it's really cool to watch this evolution. It's really cool to study all these little new nooks and crannies of game you never thought was possible. Yeah. You know, you see a guy develop a move and you think, man, this is so simple. How how has no one come up with that, yeah. you know? It's because you weren't, weren't looking for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I think a, a couple weeks ago, the, um, I, I was watching this this one. I was, I was on Instagram. I was watching this one worm guard pass into an armbar. And I was like, that's the most simplest sort of thing you could think of. But yeah. no, one ever, no one ever thought about it. It's, yeah. just, it's interesting. I mean, when like brains get moving towards a specific topic, yeah, it's just really cool to see, you know? That's like the coolest thing about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is, it's a sport that is evolving and is going to continue to almost always evolve because yeah. it's so new. Like, there are no new, there are no innovators in tennis. Yeah. <laughs> no, one's, no one's hitting the ball differently from another person. That's been around for too long. Yeah. They've worked out what the best way is and this is how they do it. There's no, in, there's no new moves in boxing. There's yeah. different styles, but in Jiu-Jitsu, there are new moves. Man. Which is crazy. Every year. Like, yeah. er, like if... If if you were to fall into a coma in 2015 and wake up in 2017, mm. you, you're too far behind. Yeah. You're going to have to spend a long time catching up. It's yeah. just because like every year at the Worlds, like, you know, you, you expect, you know, like uh, these fights are going to go like this. But then these guys come up with some new, some new, some new crazy guard, like Keenan and his new uh, crap guard. Yeah. How's about that? Just who, who would have thought, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Like mm. maybe in like 15, 20 years, we're going to look back at the judicial of today like ah, those guys didn't even know how to do a front roll right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, saying that, what do you think we're going to see this year? Man, this year there's some, uh, there's a lot of exciting new talent in the pool. You know, there's a lot of these new brown belts who recently got their black belts, and it's really exciting to see. You know, uh, obviously there's a, there was Nicholas Mergali uh-huh. who just dominated the scene IBJJF. Like I think is is one, is one of the most dominant. Um, Purple belts, brown belts ever, and now he got his black belt a little while ago. It's going to be interesting interesting to see how he plays into the black belt now. There's so many of these good guys. There's like Orlando. What weight is he? He fights at heavyweight, I believe. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he fights at heavyweight. 
so, so just just uh, in June, he won weight and absolute worlds in like dominating fashion. Like wow. every fight, he just looked like he he was a step ahead. Like yeah. it's like all his opponents were fighting a quarter speed behind the way he was fighting. Sure. It's, it's, yeah. it's really cool to see, you know. Uh, yeah, man. Then again, there's there's an influx of talent. There's uh, there's like these guys like Orlando Montero from uh, Nova Anyao. There's uh, Isak Bayhens from Alliance, who's an absolute beast. Um, there's a whole bunch of these guys, man. There's like a, we, we can go on forever with the, yeah, with, yeah. with the names. And at, at every weight, it's interesting to see that there's this new guy and you, like at lightweight, there's this guy Renato Canuto, like the guy who flying armbarred Bill Cooper. Uh huh. Man, that dude, that dude moves quick. It's like his his pace is what I like about his game. Like, sure. he, like he, he puts on a really good pace. Yeah, you know. Um, same to say, uh, who, like man, there's so many guys. Nice man. So, uh, speaking of which, go on. In the whole year, let's say let, let's 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 go through a few like sort of uh, best of the years. Yes, like you know how flow grappling absolutely. Bears? Yeah, let's go through a few years. Okay, okay. first. Rookie of the year, as in brand new black belt, first year at black belt. Who do you think is rookie of the year? Dude, don't ask me, man. I don't. I don't pay enough attention to this. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I want to hear what you're saying. All right, in my opinion, rookie yeah. of the year is Gabriel Argis. Okay, and here's why. Go. On. He got his black belt on the podium at Nogi Worlds the year before, uh-huh. and then he fought Europeans as a black belt. Yeah. He won Europe, like he closed out Europeans with Hamilo Bajau, medium okay. heavy, right? Okay. Um, at Pan Am's, he lost a pretty good fight to Leandro. Wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, for a, for a guy fighting his first year at black belt, he lost a really close fight to Leandro. Who who might be at the moment one of the best? You know, he might he might be the top guy. Yeah, he is the top like, guy. Like through pound for pound. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. At World Pro, he man in the finals he beats Satoshi decisively, wow. and Satoshi being. Yeah. Being, being an absolute beast at Worlds, he won. He won. He closed out with Otavio Souza. So I mean, for a first year, that's not a that's not a bad uh, that's not a bad resume, you know. Okay. And also, in my opinion, for best sub of the year, I think that also goes to Gabriel Argis because of that knee bar that he got on Kalasans. Uh huh. I don't know if you saw it. It was sweet because it was a sweet knee bar, but also it was pretty cool because I think a couple months ago Kalasans knee barred Homilo in a similar way. Yeah. So like, it's sort of. It was really cool to see. It came like, full circle. Yeah. He, tra- he trains with Homilo, right? He's yeah. a Gracie Boha, yeah. I, I think Homilo is, is, is his coach. He's yeah. a full-time coach. Yeah. So like, as soon as... Because I, I was watching it live. I was there. As soon as Gabriel Arjas got that knee bar, Kalasan tapped. He got up, looked at Homilo, and I gave him a little... Yeah, I was like... <laughs> it's uh, poetic justice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's... that's, that's you, don't, you don't fuck with the master, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fuck with my master, yeah. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Revenge. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. Okay. And that says name again? Gabriel Argis. Argis. Yeah, okay. he fights out of Gracie Baja. Man, I, yeah. He's, he's on, someone man. to look out for as well, okay. you know, coming up. Okay. Uh, there's a couple other guys that come to mind as well, but none of them have had as great results, obviously. Who would this. you... The, you're talking IBJJF. Yes. I think you'd have to talk about... And the sub-only movement also. Yeah. Um, then that, that would definitely have to go to Gordon, Gordon Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. I mean, you know... He got his black belt what in like four years or I don't know. Wait, how many years was it? Five years? It, it all I know is that it wasn't long enough for him to be able to compete in IBJJF when he got it. He had yeah. to wait longer. Uh, he hadn't been a brown belt for long enough. Yeah, you know, and he's had some pretty good fights. You know, his fight with Keenan, as long as it was, 
was an awesome battle. I mean, it was it was it was cool to see those little hand fighting, those little leg pummeling, intricate details, and in the end. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing that's going to uh, take jiu-jitsu to the next yeah. level, unfortunately. I think it was 90 minutes long. Yeah. 90 minutes. Uh, and a lot of it was just foot battling. Yeah. But for someone who's interested in that, the, the level that Keenan is and like how strong and how much dexterity and how he has in his legs, to be able to, to even just be in between his legs for that amount of time, let alone to come out with the win at the end. Um I think that was the that was the moment when people were like oh shit it's for real <laughs> this guy's legit it's for real yeah because you know 2015 was Keenan's year yeah you know he was trashing everyone and and kind of 2014 as well he was the best guy he was pretty much the best guy in the world you know or or, or up there because he was competing he was more active than anyone else was um, and he just seems to it shows how fickle. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu can be because Gordon's just snatched that straight from him. Yeah. You know, if you're talking about American grapplers right now, top American grapplers, you couldn't argue. Couldn't argue right now. And it, it, it just changes as simple as that. So, uh, yeah, he's had, a, he's had a pretty good year. He's had a pretty good year, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, what do you think was the best fight of the year? I don't know, man. I... I I pay attention a little bit more to the sub only stuff than the um, than IBJF tournaments, which I know I think you pay a little bit more attention yeah. to. Um, one of the best fights for me, I, I'm, I think it was this year, was Torquino and Gary Tonnen. And I tell you what, as well, like all fair play to Gary Tonnen, uh, Gary and uh, Dorino as well. Yeah, that, that was, was a great fight. Dorino looked looked awesome, um, and he had an absolute war with him. And Gary just seems to find a way in the end um it was never happening on Torquino because the guy is just <laughs> like the guy is just a machine but it, yeah it's like you have to lock a clothes guard around his thigh yeah in order to like stop him but you yeah. still can't it's yeah. like how are you gonna hug a tree yeah he, and and and, and Torquino will not tap to a leg lock you 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 you'd have you rip his leg off he won't tap no, no way is he going out like that and how uh, jacked how stacked <laughs> how stacked did Torquino look dude he I I, I was I was there Okay, and I saw him. You get two normal sized people and you stand them back to back. You, you stand them side to side with each other and look at it from behind. That's Torquino's back. <laughs> you know, he is absolutely huge. Um, when I first went up from, when I, I fought ADCC in 2011 and I saw Torquino, I was 75 kilos when I fought. And he, him alone, made me go. I need to, I need to, <laughs> I need to get bigger. I need to start eating. I need to start lifting some proper weights. Um, and then I saw him again. I was like, dude, I'm no closer to looking like Torquino <laughs> than I was in 2011. The dude, he, he could have walked onto a, to a bodybuilding show that night. Like to come in in that shape, not to a weigh-in, but to the fight in that level of lean and conditioning you know that level of leanness uh yeah that was obscene and he and 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 he was just explosive you know that that's, that's the thing about Torquino. he's just got power and and the interesting thing about that is you can't build that sort of power because you are either born with fast twitch fibers or slow twitch fibers if you look at a guy like damian meyer yeah. he has he is a great example of someone who has who is slow twitch fiber dominant 
Like, I guarantee you, if he grabs you, it will feel like the strongest fuck has ever grabbed you in your life. You know, like, I get, you can look at him the way that he manhandles people. He is strong. Very fucking strong. But he's not explosive. So he'll drag you down and he'll hold you. And his isometric strength is very strong and he can hold it for a very long time. You look at a guy like Torquino, I can tell you, if he grabbed you, he'd be strong. But that's not where his strength lies. His strength lies in picking you up and throwing you. His strength lies in when you go for something on him, he explodes out of it. He is a fast twitch. The same with guys like uh, Dorino and stuff like that. That guy looks strong, but I'm telling you, the power is the big difference there. You know, And I've rolled with guys who... I've fought guys who are very, very powerful, but not strong at all compared to it. So you grab them and you can manipulate them around and you can move them and they can't resist you. But then if they want to move and they put everything into it, you cannot stop them. So it's very, there's a, there's a, people don't realize this and you can't take a guy who, you can't change that. You, that's genetic. That whether you're explosive or whether you're, whether you've got fast twitch muscle fibers or slow twitch or in the middle, Interesting. that's, that's genetic. You can work on your power and you can get the most power out of your body that you can. But these guys who are, you know, freaks, your Torquinos and stuff like that, who are pure power, you cannot build that if you do not have the the, the genetic predisposition as well. So um, that was the interesting thing with him. He's just super goddamn powerful, man. To, to, he, was, he was flipping Gary almost 360 degrees from his knees on one foot one knee yeah. he, he just he just hooks yeah, that, over the top comes under the leg throw. yeah the fireman throw and just <laughs> flipping him over and over again ludicrous absolutely ludicrous hey but man fair play to Gary he he's a warrior man yeah he's absolutely you know like who who would have thought that man he he looked pretty good like he was he was taking it to Tokino. he uh, he won that fight yeah. I would say he won that fight he looked more dominant if I had to score that fight which they have they they, they have uh, scoring in Polaris now Okay. Um, they score. It's an intro. Have you have you seen the scoring in Polaris? No, I haven't seen the scoring. Tell me about it. They 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 um. They divide the fight into three rounds, but without stopping. So like three ment- like hypothetical rounds. Okay. So in the prelim fights, there's th- that are ten minutes long. There's three rounds of three minutes thirty three. Okay. Uh, and in the fifteen minute fights on the main card, there's three rounds of five minutes, and they have three judges that score. Um, score each round for an opponent based on those five minutes so you watch so you're watching the fight for 15 minutes at the end of the five minutes you score who won that five minutes okay the next five minutes you score who won from five to ten and then for the last five minutes you you score who won from 10 to 15 so it means that if you a if you get the shit kicked out of you in the first round or yeah if you get your shit kicked out of you in the first round but then you come back and you dominate the next two, you can win. Okay. It also means that if you dominate the guy for the first five minutes, you can't sit back. You know, e- even if, because it's, it's not a 10-point must either. As far as I'm aware, it's just you won the round or you lost the round. So you can be, you can be beating the crap out of me for five minutes. Like almost armbarring me, almost t- like have my back for four minutes and like armbar triangle and I'm escaping all of this stuff. But you just get that one point for that round. And then if I just hold side control on you for the next 10 minutes, I can win that. Interesting. And It is interesting. F- like for the fighters, is, is there like a signal that they get that, no. okay, the first... The first Not that I'm aware of. of. No. no, okay. No, there's no oh, signal. Cool. There's no signal. You just got to fight it out. So it's interesting. Like they're, they're, they're trying to find a way of doing... 
because the problem with Polaris had was uh, Polaris 3 had eight fights and eight draws. Yeah, I remember seeing that. And they were some of them were good fights, some of them were terrible fights. Uh, that was, you know, just in the matchmaking in the in, in in the competitors, they just didn't want to go for it. Um, but nobody likes a draw. Yeah. So they had to change it, and they didn't want to go with the EBI. And um, I agree with them. I'm not the biggest fan of the EBI rules, to be honest with you. Um, less fan after I got after I fought it. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I think I think it's awesome. I think just like the same in in like f- in football, they have a they have a goal shootout. In 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 basketball, they have a they have a shootout as well. It's the same. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is basically the same. But I think you know I've I've, I've mentioned this before in here, but I think um, the problem that I have is people training specifically for one position. Yeah. You know, and and then using that in their tactics, like I'm going to spend. The next, I'm fighting EBI in eight weeks. I'm going to spend the next eight weeks defending positions and then taking the back. Yeah, d- that's it. What do you call? It? There, there's two positions, right? It's, it's spider, spider web, web and, and, uh... and and the back. Okay, yeah, with a, like seatbelt control. Um, and he's just going to train the back because you can choose which one you do. And nobody, no, very few people go for the armbar. I made the mistake again. I thought I'm there. I might as well try both. Um, and then I said when the other guy didn't want to do it, I called him boring, but whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, you could just play defensively for 10 minutes. If someone doesn't want to get submitted for 10 minutes, they probably won't get submitted. If that's all you want. Yeah. You're not trying to attack the guy. You're not opening yourself up. You're just going to defend for 10 minutes. You can defend against most people for 10 minutes. There has to be a real big gap in skill for someone who is just trying to defend. You know, like when Galbao fought, um, was it Henner? Or Halleck? Who did he yeah, fight? Uh, he, he fought Henner. Henner, yeah? Yes. And Henner was keeping it playful. Yeah. He was just defending the whole time. Just, yeah. Andre Galbao is significantly better than Henner Gracie is, but he wasn't able to submit him within the time. So... With a nor- so that's the equivalent of playing to a draw. So you fight something so like, I'm fighting you, you're much better than me, I don't want to lose to you, so I'm going to try and play for a draw, and I go, Ricky Rout couldn't submit me. A draw you is know? a win. Exactly, exactly. A draw is a win for some people. But what if the draw gives you the ability to work a position that you're really well practiced in? You can just work for that. Which, will, which ends up having... What what and because like you said the evolution the longer you have someone the longer you have a rule set the more people are going to work out ways to exploit that rule set yeah yeah it's natural that's, yeah that's natural that's natural selection so you need to like the perfect rule set is one that's unexploitable or exploitable to the least gains as possible you know yeah um, like you know they say the purest way of doing grappling is doing like a no time limit sub only you can exploit that. It takes a long time. The way, that you, the way that you exploit that is by being the fittest person there. You know, having the best cardio and dragging it out for an hour and a half. The problem with that is that A, it doesn't really require much skill to do that. B, you're going to always have boring fights. You're not going to be able, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be long fights. And how many people are going to watch that fight? No one. Yeah. No one's going to watch that fight twice, you know. Um, I, think, I think that a Keenan versus Gordon Ryan rematch is a hard sell for a sub only no time limit is a hard sell you're not gonna have many people buying that stream or coming to watch that yeah it's a hard sell um even though it shouldn't be it should be the two <laughs> it's the two two the two best american fighters in the world they're very very well matched um so so 
yeah, you can exploit anything. I think the longer we have EBI, the more people are going to exploit it, you know, um, and they're going to try and do that. So, so for me personally, I think that there are better ways. I'm not sure what they are yet. Man, I think I think with time, with time, there's going to iron out the kinks. One thing could be penalizing, uh, like sort of like if if people are like running out the clock, same yeah. like they do in any other sport. There should be a penalty. Yeah, there there, there should be. It's, 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 it's very hard to punish people for stuff in grappling because you can make it so organic and so many variables that you can make an excuse for basically anything. And when you can make an excuse for something, you the person who's meant to be penalizing is going to find it really hard to penalize that person. So you say, you know, you're not doing anything. You're, you're trying to run out the clock. And he turns up and goes, this guy's kicking my ass. I'm just trying to not get submitted. What, you're going to have a go at me for, not, yeah. for trying to not get submitted? You know, you can spin it any way. You know, I'm really tired and, you know, this is, this is, I'm trying my hardest. I'm trying here. I just can't do anything. You know, I, you, you penalize someone for not opening their guard. Oh, I'm scared he's going to pass yeah. my guard. I don't want him to pass my guard. You can, you can kind of make an excuse for all those things. It's very, very difficult. I don't think that the EBI is, the rule set is perfect yet. I, I, I don't know if they I think the nice thing to have is a big variety in, in rule sets, which is you have your EBI style, you have your IBJJF style, you have your ADCC style, you have your sub-only no time limit style. But what I don't want to see is EBI become the alternative. So there's two, IBJJF and EBI. That 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 I would be upset with because I think that it, it reduces the... Um, which is why I'm happy that Polaris haven't gone with that and they're, and they're trying to work out their own thing. And it's an interesting way of doing it. I, I like that. There's always going to be a lot of uh, ambiguity when you have referees judging grappling, but that's no different for MMA. Yeah. You know, and MMA does have its problems sometimes that, you know, but I think, I think with grappling, there's a less margin for errors in terms of uh, inaccurate scoring for, for, for subjective rounds than there is for MMA because you don't have striking and grappling and, octagon control and striking on the floor and submissions and all of that difference. speaking of which yeah. uh the combat it's, it's called combat grappling combat jiu-jitsu combat yeah. jiu-jitsu ebi coming up yeah that's I, gonna be interesting so i think the next ebi which is in march yeah i think it's in march it might be in february yeah. but it's in a couple of months it's gonna have the welterweights for the ebi tournament and the featherweight combat jiu-jitsu tournament I'm not sure how big the combat jiu-jitsu tournament is. I think it's going to be four-man. It's it going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It might be eight-man, I'm not sure, but it, it won't be 16. Um, and it is open palm strikes on the ground. So no striking standing. And as soon as it hits the ground, slaps. <laughs> what a bass routine. Bass routine, Some of yeah. that bass routine. People uh, are going to be stretching out those wrists yeah, yeah, to get yeah. that, that full, uh, drawing that R on the back of their hand and shit <laughs> like that. Um, Look, I'm all for it. I think I think it's great, and I think it's I, I like what Eddie's doing. Like wh- whatever I agree with the whether the EBI rule set is the best rule set. Um, I do think it's great that he's done it. I think it's a great rule set. Like I think I think it's great that he's gone outside of the box and tried to think of a way of of, of creating that that rule set. And I like that he's continuing to try and progress forward. And this is going to be really interesting. Um, I know we've got from the UK. I think Ash Williams is competing in the combat jiu-jitsu because okay. he's at MMA. Cool. He fights MMA as well. So, so the interesting thing will be who are they looking for? Are they looking for jiu-jitsu people, high-level jiu-jitsu people? 
to slap each other? Are they looking for high-level jiu-jitsu people who all, all, also train MMA and fight MMA? Or are they going to look for MMA fighters who have good grappling? Because there's three different, you know, you, you could have someone who has done no striking, but it has excellent jiu-jitsu and everyone can slap someone. <laughs> everyone can, <laughs> can open palm strike someone. Uh, find guys who are very good at striking on the ground and have decent grappling to be able to hang or find a combination of the two good grapplers who also do a little bit of MMA. It's going to be very interesting. You know? And maybe maybe like one of each or, you know, like a good combination of each. Maybe they don't stick to one specific demographic. It's, yeah. You got an MMA guy versus a jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah, it's... Enter the dragon. I think it's an awesome idea. I think I think it's a brilliant idea because we, we, we haven't seen that shit. <laughs> like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Like I, I, I will, I will wake up in the morning and sit down and watch all of that shit. Yeah, I want to see who's fighting. Yeah. I want to see the lineup as yeah. soon as possible. And um, I, I want to see the big boys when they get the big boys doing that. Because it's like I getting slapped by a featherweight, sixty-six kilo guy, and getting slapped by a hundred and six <laughs> kilo guy is very different. Yeah. It's very different. And I want to see whether they're going to get whether, like the legit. Jiu-Jitsu stars? Is Gordon Ryan going to do a combat jiu-jitsu? We'll see. Because that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Because you put him up against a guy who like has a good top game and you you, you, you go for the, the the knee bar, you go for a heel hook and a guy like <laughs> try to shove his he- the heel of his palm through your nose. <laughs> that's going to be very, very interesting. So um, for me, that's the most exciting thing in jiu-jitsu, if you can call it that for me in 2017 at the moment that's the most exciting thing is to see how that goes because nobody has a goddamn clue what it's going to look like I don't what about you what are you looking forward to uh, first let's go back a r- real quick mm. about my favorite fight oh yeah of 2016 oh, yeah, talking about that. Yeah, yeah there's a fight you need to watch okay it's Dylan Dennis and Patrick Gaudio in Copa Podio okay like how I was drinking coffee the time I was watching this fight. I got out of breath. I had to to take a quick, I had to put the coffee down and uh, take a quick breath. These guys were going at it. They were like, they were ready to die. It's like, it's like uh, they're ready to go out on their shield, you know? Yeah. It's like attack after counter. It was, it's, it's a pretty good fight. Yeah. Let's let's go watch it. Say again. It was, uh, Dylan Dennis versus Patrick Gaudio. Okay. In uh, Copa Podio. Cause, cause that Copa Podio isn't something that I've watched much, but they're putting on like a lot of good shows, aren't they? Yeah, man, they have some really, really good fights up on yeah. there. You know, they're, they're is, it all, of, is it all gi? They, uh, the they have gi format tournament, yeah. but they've also had like no gi, no gi super fights. Yeah, they've had no gi super fights. You know, there's some pretty good fights out there. Yeah, um, uh, they also had a uh, Herbert Santos Leandro, which was very interesting. That mm. was that was that was a pretty good battle. Okay, I'm gonna check that out when we finish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what else, man? Uh, it, they've, there's the Europeans coming up. In a couple of weeks, who we got for him? The list, man. There's there, there's there's a few guys that are like sort of I think are favorites, but there's like also a lot of these new crop black doors that are in there as well yeah. right now. So let me pull up that list real quick. I like it. Let's go for a let's go for a Europeans preview because you know all these motherfuckers. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> now, okay. Um, who is your favorite fighter overall? Like gi, no gi, submission only, 
of 2016? Like, who, who do you think, if, if there were to be an MVP? One minute, right. one minute. That's definitely housekeeping. <laughs> okay, we're back here. So, yeah, um, if you were to choose an MVP of of all, like, of of, of submission wrestling, jiu-jitsu, EBI, whatever, whatever rule set, whatever, MVP, who would, who would he be? It's a good question. It's a very good question. Um, a guy who does who's done both this year. Um, probably have to say I could. You could probably make. I probably make an argument for Dillian Dennis. You know, just because I know he's done both. Uh, he came in. I think he won uh, Pan Am's. Uh, Pan Am's Nogi double gold. Van Am's Nogi, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and he, uh, he's competed a lot in the sub only as well. Um, he's looked pretty good. Um, trying to think who else is out there. Obviously, like, Leandro's a beast. But who you got? In my opinion, yeah, I'm going to stick with Marcus Almeida. And okay. I'll tell you why. Um, I, I saw him... I like I saw him personally in April. You got the T-shirt on. Yeah, represent. Well, <laughs> you got the Bruchesha T-shirt I came, on. Now. I came prepared. I should have known that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I saw him in April, and uh, this is a few months after he had his knee reconstructed. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he, uh, he tore his knee in what tournament? It was in a tournament, wasn't it? It, it was in Worlds 2015. Yeah. He fought Ricardo Evangelista. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was a good friend of mine, and and when when Bushesha like sort of stood up in close guard. He went for it's called the lumberjack sweep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and Evangelista has a has a lot of power behind yeah. that lumberjack sweep, and at, man, you, you can see his knees sort of just give out. And yeah, that's that's where I think it was. Yeah, it was it was a pretty bad injury. Yeah. So he had his surgery, and um, man, just to see him go from like sort of go through that and come back that and, recovery. Yeah, and then come back as dominant as he did, like just. Like like the way he he armbarred Philippe Pena, mm. like the way he like like the way he went through uh, Joao Gabriel Hosha. Yeah, you know, I mean, just 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 to see that it was it was a really cool experience, you know, just to be, just to see that the the, the whole uh, like like the whole uh, we call it the pyramid just yeah. erupt. Yeah, just to see that that whole vibe that that's you know that's that's really. Yeah. Were you there? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah it was a really cool vibe. It, that was you, that you was a, that was his fourth double. Yes. So he's the most successful competitive grappler of all time now. Yes. That's that's with 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 four double golds at the Worlds that puts him ahead of Rogers three. Um so yeah, you could you you know what? I think um this year's been an it, well, 2016 has been interesting because it the the massive increase in number of small shows that there are and the uh sort of gravitas that they hold as well has meant that the world, the Mundials is not as significant as it used to be. Yeah. You know, in the, there used to be the best jujitsu fighter in the world was the weight and absolute champion from the Mundials. That's who it is. There was yes. no question about it. Like that, that's who it is. So like whoever won that year, like if, if Shandy won, it was Shandy's year. If Roger won, it was Roger's year. When Jacare won, it was Jacare's year. When, when Bouchesha won and Hadolfo. Yeah. This year, it seems like there's way more to think about you know, and you forget that actually you've got someone out there who is dominating four-time weight and absolute. 
yeah. is, is pretty crazy. So yeah, I can I, I I can totally get that. I understand. Yeah, man, man. Um, you mind opening the the uh, the Europeans list yeah, so we can go through it real quick. Yeah, let's do some it. Connectivity issues. Also, another topic. Yeah. Uh, I saw this in the flow, in the flow grappling thing, so I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, there's been a couple of really sort of close fights where uh, where where a guy was able to sort of overcome adversity, comeback of the year. Um, that guy who beat me in EBI. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Hit me with it. Hit me with it. All right, I'm gonna hit you with a couple fights. Okay. First one. I like this because this is like fights that people need to go back and watch. Oh, yeah, this absolutely. Is like, this is like a review of fights that people got. I'm going to try and... Uh, what I'll try and do is cool. that I'll try and uh, find links to these fights okay. and put them in the description for the podcast cool. or something like that so cool, people, cool, cool. people can watch them all. Um, I'll see if that will work. But yeah, go on. All right. Uh, Gabriel Arges versus Celso Vinicius from... Uh, I think it's High and Gracie right uh -huh. now. In the Worlds. This is a fight where, you know, he's like sort of, uh, Gabriel Arges went in, he was losing, I think, 4-0 or like 7-0 or something. Yeah. He was in a tight guillotine, face turning red, almost passed out. It's, this is all within the first few minutes. Yeah. And then he escapes, and then eventually he starts racking up points, eventually gets to the back, gets that lapel, gets the bow and arrow, game over. Nice. So that's, I mean, just to watch, it was, it was really yeah. cool to watch that fight. Yeah. Another one I was able to watch live is the Europeans. I think everyone has seen this one. So it's Herbert Santos versus Philippe Pena. Yes. Where Herbert nearly likes. He's, he's another guy who you could argue for like one of the MVPs of the year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's Herbert a very Santos. good Yeah, yeah. Yeah he's, yeah, he's a beast, man. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Uh, where Herbert nearly just, uh, he probably did some, the some arm damage. Bar? Yeah, the yeah, armbar. I've seen that, yeah. The, like, uh, like Felipe had an X guard sweep. And he sort of, he, he stood up into, into the X guard and then he took Herbert down right into Herbert's armbar. Yeah. And that was, it was one of the tightest armbars I've seen. Yeah. And Philippe just, just gutted it out. Yeah. I'm sure there was some damage, but he gutted it out. And lo, you know, with the same arm, he ended up choking Herbert. Wow. So that's, that's, that's another really good fight. Yeah. Uh, another good one is uh, Patrick Gaggio and Homilo Bahal. Uh-huh. I mean, like, there, I think there's like a transition. I think it's like a minute 40 or minute 30. Is that little guard pass transition from like double unders like that that Gaja did? It's a really cool guard pass transition. Mm. He ended up scoring, I think it's guard pass, mount and back. Yeah, right. So it, this is all within the first few minutes of the fight, and little you know, Hamilo comes back, cool, collected, cross choke, victory. Awesome. So that's another really good fight. Yeah. Um. Well, that's my three favorite comebacks of the year. I like it. I like it. I remember watching that uh, that Herbert Santos fight. Yeah, that was crazy. The whole the whole yeah. arena was going crazy because yeah. everyone like sort of thought like it's over. Like you 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 can't get an armbar better than that. Yeah, the, the, there's something about those those armbars that people don't tap to. You know, yeah. I think with the legs, if someone's not tapping, it's not on properly. Like they can't feel it. Because a lot of people feel leg locks differently from others. Yeah. And there's no... With, with the leg locks, it never looks bad. You know, it looks like, oh, it's in an awkward position. But even if he's not tapping, it's not on. Everyone knows what an armbar yeah. looks like and an extended armbar. If you look at guy like the, the biggest comeback... Actually, all comebacks or, or yeah. all, all ones where... I already know. <laughs> Ro Roger. Roger and Jacare. Roger you know, and Jacare. One yeah, of the most yeah, iconic the fights one. in history where that armbar wrecked him. 
Yeah, you absolutely. Know, to this day. Um, and uh, Vinny versus Vadum. Yes. Dude, dude I was there. That whole place was going crazy. That arm was bent backwards. And when he got up, I was... Because the thing is with uh, Jacques and Roger, when, when Jacques got up, his arm was fucked. He tucked it into his belt and couldn't use it. And when Vinny got up, I was sure that that same thing was going to happen. And he got up and he shook his arm and he brought it back up and carried on like no one did anything. His, his elbows are made of titanium. Everything is. <laughs> rubber. Because they bend. It's not that they don't bend. Not titanium. Rubber. Some sort of nano... <laughs> Carbo nanotube technology, something crazy. I'm telling you, man, like, what do you call it? Genetic modification is yes. real. Yes, yes. It's, it's secret. It's like, it's underground, but it's real. Yeah, 100%. The, the, the body hacking is, you know, <laughs> biohacking. They've got that shit down. Let's just go get these. Uh, uh, do, they have the, do they have it up on the IBJJF website? Yeah, yeah. yeah you, want to go th- you want to go grab it? Yeah, go You're heading over to watch this year, aren't you? Uh, to Euros. Europeans? No. Yeah. Oh, you I, going? No, oh, okay. no, no, not this year. Hopefully. You're going Worlds, right? Yes. yes. That, that'll be exciting. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait, man. Like, I don't know. I get I get real, I get the chills just thinking about the potential matchups. Yeah. Because like when the brackets come out, you just, like, that's the first thing. Like, as soon as the brackets come out, that's the first thing I want to see because then I sort of map out, okay, this guy's going to beat this guy for sure. And this is going to be a hard fight. And that guy's going to beat that guy. It's like a really... Uh, Hell yeah! So every 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 big tournament, whenever the brackets come out, like you're like, I, a, you're like a kid at Christmas. Yes, because I can't wait. I can't wait. There's some matchups that I yeah. just been I've been I haven't seen and I'm dying to see just yeah. to see how the styles are gonna play out. Yeah, you know, like let's say a pressure guy versus a distance guy, mm. or you know what? Yeah, whatever. So one second. I think the Europeans might be over like five or six days this year. Yeah, it's you know it's they actually getting moved it, ridiculous. They they had to move it to, the, to like this new stadium. Yeah, last year they yeah, had it. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, mind you, it's pretty nice. They, this is the same one as last year. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I because I, I I fought Euros five times I think, and it was always in the same place, which was a bit of a shithole. So now everyone's saying that the new place is really nice. So I might have to go and check it out. All right, hold on, here we are. Adult black belt. Let's start with rooster. All right. Uh, my prediction for adult black belt male rooster, the final, as of right now, the people who signed up, is Mike Musumeci Jr. versus Koji Shibamoto. It's interesting because Kyle Terra hasn't signed up this year. Uh, okay. Otherwise, he'd, he'd, be the, he'd be the favorite, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so as of right now, Musumeci from Kyle Terra's team yeah. versus Koji Shibamoto, who's always game. He's always game. He's always in the finals or semifinals, usually against Kyotera. Yeah. Or he, he fights Malfasini in the semifinals or something like that. So that's probably going to be that. Um, light feather. As of right now, I see it going Isaac from Alliance, Isaac Daughterline, who's a, who's a really, really game right now, versus Hiago Silva from uh, Cicero Costa. Uh-huh. Interesting, because last year, I think Hiago and uh, Miao. I don't know which one, because it's really confusing between yeah. the two. They, they both closed out their division. So nice. this, this time it's interesting because neither of them have signed up yet. And I'm pretty sure they're gonna. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. But as of right now, I'm giving it finals Hiago Silva versus Isaac Daughterline. Yeah. Feather. 
It looks like there's going to be Gianni Grippo versus Isak Paiva in the finals. I've seen that fight before at World Pro. It was a pretty good fight. I think Isak came up, came up on top in this fight. So that's going to be another exciting one. Um, it's cool to see because at the lighter weights, you know how like how the game sort of evolves. So that, that the heavier you go, yes. you, you, see, you see some good judo, some good more wrestling, takedowns, some good takedowns. Pressure, yeah. at, and, and at the lighter weights, you see like some really intricate double guard work. Yeah, more baron bolos, yeah. more rolling stuff, yeah. Even though people shun double guard work, man, it's, it's an art. Like if you, if you go double guard against a really good double guard guy, you will get your back taken. Yeah. Like, like sometimes I, I watch, uh, I've seen it, like I think the best example would probably be Miao and Musumeci. When you see them double guard, you probably think they're just doing a bunch of random things with their feet. But man, it's there's science. A lot, there's a lot going on there. It's art. I know you like to play that game, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to study as good as these guys. Yeah. Lightweight. We have some new blood in the house. We have Renato Canuto, who I talked about a, a little bit earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, we have Marcio Andre, who's an absolute monster. Yeah. Who's fighting at lightweight? I think because it's the beginning of the year. He usually fights at feather. Who had an amazing fight, by the way, with Rafa Mendes. I don't know if you saw it. It was, nice. his, um, it was his first year fighting Worlds at Black Belt. Yeah. I, I think he had an ACL reconstruction right after Europeans the year before. So he took some time off competing. But he, you know, he, he, had, a, he had a mediocre sort of Pan Ams. He had a decent European. But at Worlds, man, he, re, he passed Cobrinha's guard wow. in one of the coolest moments that, I, that I've seen. Like, it's one of the coolest highlights ever. So if you want to see a good guard pass... Marcio Andre versus Cobrinha. Okay. So we have Marcio Andre, Renato Canuto. We have Andres Brunovskis from Atos, who is a lapel guard, who is a warm guard on Plata Wizard. Yeah. So that, that guy is there as well. So it's going to be interesting. Lightweight looks a bit more sort of, it's, it's hard to predict. It's a sure. bit more sticky than, uh, than, than the lower ones. Let's see. At middleweight, we have Marcos Tinoco from Marcelo Garcia. We have Isaac Baez from who just graduated. We just talked about. Yeah. We got Eduardo Tellis. We have Tellis still throwing down with the adults. Still throwing down. Same Crazy like guy. same like Eduardo Rios. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah. It's, they they are, like these two guys always have a good showing, you know. Mm. And Shande. Zanji Barrow, another yeah. one as well. Yeah. You know, we have our guy Ali Geddes <laughs> throwing down at adult middle, and we have. These, Jamie Canuto I think these are sort of the big names yeah. that I can see right now signed yeah. up it's going to be interesting man you have, you, have any, you have any predictions of yourself nope <laughs> I'm leaving that shit up to you man I'm not even going to try and All right. try and battle you on, on uh, Jiu Jitsu nerdiness no way at medium heavy we have some new blood Orlando Montero just got his black belt right after uh, right after Worlds brown belt medium heavy world champion looking real good he won the Paris Open, he got this really sick armbar in the finals against this checkman guy. I forgot the, I forgot the name of the guy. But it was uh, he, he got the, the 50-50 armbar. Yeah. Yeah. Man, looking real good at Black Belt. We got Patrick Gaudio. That's going to be a good battle to see right there. We have Luca Anagretto from Italy, who's another good one. Calasans. Nice. So that's, that's going to be a sticky division as well right yeah. there. That's, that's my four favorites in that division. Um, and heavy, we have Adam Warzinski. He's, uh, I think he's one of the best up and coming European like black belts right now. At Brown, he like he won Europeans. He beat Orlando Montero last year at Europeans. Where's he from? He's from, well, he's from Czech. He's from Czech Matt, but he, I think he's from Sweden. Okay, 
Yeah, they got some good guys. Yeah, there. they got yeah. some really good guys there. You know, um, yeah. So we got we got him. We got Leandro, who I think is the clear favorite in this division. So, in my opinion, in this division, it's gonna be Leandro in the finals versus someone who's gonna go at number two. I I don't see Nicholas Mergali signed up yet, so that's gonna be interesting where where he decides to uh, to place himself. Um, we'll see. Uh, in super heavy, I'm predicting a final of Herbert Santos and Lucio Lagarto, nice. which is going to be a repeat of last year, where uh, Herbert was able to beat Lagarto. But that's going to be a, I, I think it's going to be a repeat of last year. Let's see if there's any upsets. Um, in the ultra heavy, I'm predicting my good friends, both of them, Igor Silva and Ricardo Evangelista, who are absolute monsters. I mean, absolute beasts, and they're going to be in the finals. Wicked. So that is my prediction. There's a, there's a lot of guys who I think are are like waiting till the last minute to see yeah. which divisions they're it's, gonna. It's pretty stacked as of right now. Yes, it's a it's a it's a legit tournament these days. You know, it's it's I think I believe it's the biggest tournament in the world. Yes. The biggest jujitsu tournament in the world. I don't know. I think Europeans and pans. There's like yeah, one maybe or two. pans. Yeah, actually. yeah, maybe pans. But the European Europeans is huge. Yeah, Europeans is absolutely. Huge. I think it had three thousand people last year. Um, which is ludicrous. You know, I remember the first couple of years I went, it was just two days. Now it's like. In the next couple of years, it's going to be a week-long tournament, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy, <laughs> crazy. And and even at the blue belts level, you see nowadays is very it's, high it's, level. It's there. getting insane. It's getting out of hand. Yeah, yeah, very you know? very high level there. Um, that's pretty cool. We know who to watch out for now. Yeah, I don't mean I, that's just my picks. This this I trust you, man. I can't wait. Like I can't wait till the day after, like like all the registrations close to see where they register each. You know, yeah. Because also it's very strategic. Because uh, with the teams and stuff like that. With the teams and and sometimes they, you, they look at where other people are yeah, and change yeah, yeah, their yeah. weights and stuff like that. You know, yeah. um, another very interesting thing like about about the weight placement, right? I I was uh, I had a chat with Lucas Lucas Lacy like like oh, this is a while ago, and he was talking about you know how he places. Sometimes he fights like heavyweight, weighing in the middleweight. He talks about the style, like stylistically, mm. against lighter guys, like even even like much lighter than him, he has a harder time. Yeah. Like just just because of the style of, of fighting, you know, yep. just because of the style of hundred percent. Like I have the same, yeah. And uh, against heavier guys, even though like sort of traditionally you'd think, you know, they're they're much stronger. He does much better. Yeah. Just because just because of the way he fights, so he he prefers to give up a good ten kilos, fifteen kilos, whatever. Than it is to be the one ten kilos yeah. heavier. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. You know. So it's it's very interesting to see where um how it's gonna be, and also at this time of year, a lot of guys fight like like one weight class above what they usually fight because you know just after christmas just after christmas <laughs> they don't want to die, christmas, die yeah. christmas yeah so that's also another interesting thing um and yeah it's, it's pretty cool to see and i'm really excited it's gonna be a pretty cool year there's a lot of new black belts and i want to see some against some of the more seasoned guys see how they play out yeah man definitely um is there any is there any other tournaments coming up that like we know who's people fighting or stuff like that or just the Euros for now? Um, well, the biggest one, well, obviously, is Euros. There's going to be the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam. That's in a couple of weeks, right? That's in about a week's time. Yeah, we're going to go there. Yeah, we're yeah. going to go watch. It's yeah. going to be pretty cool. It's the first time it's being held in Abu Dhabi, so it's going to be pretty cool to see wow. how, how that whole you know how, how that whole vibe nice, goes, man. you know? Yeah. Um, I know there's a couple of... I know Gabriel Arge is coming down. I know yeah. Edwin Najmi is coming down. I know I know a whole and bunch of other Philippe guys Penn coming Penn is down. in? Yes. And uh, Shanti Ibarra is in? It's going to be a battle. It's going yeah. to be awesome. You know? yeah. The Grand Slams are really cool too because in the UAE JJF, they have six-minute fights, right? Yes. So, I mean, there's pros and cons. Now, there's some fighters that like to be very strategic and like to draw out the fight and sort I'm, of... I'm all for six-minute fights. Yeah, six-minute <laughs> fights. You see some of these guys like go at it a, a bit earlier in the fight, so it's pretty yeah. cool. 
Um, just like watching the world pro, man. So like some of those fights. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I'm definitely up for the shorter fights. I think that uh, being strategic doesn't play in well for the viewers. Yeah. So I'm 100% in for people going in hard early. So uh, yeah, this can be fun. That's gonna be fun. That's next weekend, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, cool thing is they have gi on day one. That's right. No gi on day one and gi on day two. So you're gonna get to see sort of the same fighters in uh, in both formats, and you're probably gonna see the best guys fighting each other multiple times. Nice. So that's another really cool thing over there, you know. Yeah. So we're going uh, for both days. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, man. We're gonna go check out check out Abu Dhabi. We're gonna go check out the scenery over there. We we gotta go check out the Grand Mosque, like we talked yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. Yeah. Um, cool, man. What else do we have to talk about? Man. Your call? I'm I'm think I'm kind of you you've impressed me with your jujitsu knowledge, Ricky. I knew you had it, but uh you you impressed me with it. I don't know, man. What is uh we got much else to talk about? All right, let's talk about brown belt. <laughs> I was holding it in, but you know, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Now, because I find brown belt like as exciting as the black belt, if not if not more, cause yeah. simply because it's guys that are hungry, it's guys yeah. that are up and coming. You know, you see after after a few years of black belts, guys start you know guys start to like sort of follow. Give, give me your top three brown belts to watch out for. All right. So we spoke about guys who've just got their black belts, right? Yes. Yeah. Who's the top three uh, brown belts? Yeah. Uh, okay. It would have to be Gutenberg Pereira. From uh, from GF team Dante Leon, GF team. Uh, they have uh, Espen from uh, I think Espen's fighting out of Nova Onyao, right? Kimura Nova Onyao. There's Tommy Langerker, and the uh, it's, it's like the Espen. There's Espen and Tommy Langerker from uh, where are they from? They're 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 the, they're they're the Viking team on Copa Podia. I'm sorry, I'm really bad with geography, but um, well Scandinavia. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so there so there's those four guys. Uh, man, I got, hold on, let me have a look at the list real quick, and I'll give you some more names. I think as of right now, though, I, I guess those guys. There's Max Lindblad, yeah, who had a really good showing. Like I was really impressed with this guy at the World Pro in 2016. Uh, yeah, because it's just because it's such a stacked division. You, yeah. got, you got like you you know you had like Espen, you had Dante Leon, you had uh, Hugo Hugo Dortz. I don't know how you say his last name, Hugo Durskaf or something like that, but lightweight brown belt. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this now and you're going to the Europeans, get out a piece of paper and start <laughs> writing down people's names because you know that when you're out there, you've got this to look, you've got these guys to look out for to watch some good fights. There's Jeremy Jackson fighting out of uh, Heroes. There's from Bahrain, there's Ali Manfrad, who has a pretty good game as well. So there's a lot of these guys. And it's funny to see because like a, a lot of my f- sort of favorite brown belt fighters are in between middle and feather. Yeah. Because it's just, it's just the way the game is, you know? Sure. Gutenberg's a beast at, uh, at heavyweight. He fights between heavy and super heavy. I'm not really sure Big boy. where he's going to place himself right yeah. now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in brown belt, that, those are my picks. Uh, at the lighter weights, there's, from AOJ, there's uh, Mason. There's Pablo Montevani. I can't believe I forgot. There's Pablo Montevani. There's Paulo da Costa. I think Pablo Montevani fights light feather and Paulo Costa fights feather. Yeah. So yeah, so that, so that that's going to be pretty cool. Um there we go. What else do you want? <laughs> Dude, uh that's pretty pretty awesome. I can't believe that you remember all of the na- those names and you can pronounce them that well. <laughs> um yeah, man, I can't really think of anything else. Yeah, we've got the Europeans to look forward to. It I think it's going to be a really good year for jiu-jitsu. Um 
all around the world. I think there's a lot of cool tournaments coming up, um, a lot of exciting stuff. Like we've got this EBI um, combat jujitsu thing going on. They're going to run a load more tournaments. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Man, Look- things looking great now. Is one thing that's very good that they done with the EBI is the whole UFC Fight Pass thing. So yeah, to sort of like merge the MMA audience into 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 the world of getting them into the world of uh, submission grappling. Yeah, well, this the interesting thing with uh, that that a lot of people are doing, which is these subscription sites. So obviously you've got flow flow grappling and flow combat. Yeah. I don't think Pol- Pol- Polaris Two was on flow, but I think three. I'm not sure about three, but four definitely wasn't. What do you think about those subscription sites? Man, I think Flow Grappling is doing great. I mean, it's it's you can find all all this awesome jujitsu in one spot. Yeah. Um, it's not at a point where you can find everything because, yeah. like, I think Copapodio does their own thing. And or wait, hold on. Um, I I might have to take my words back on that. I think uh, Polaris doesn't do on Flow Grappling. Flow Grappling does all the major IBJJF ones. Yes. And, but there's still like a whole bunch of events that are not on Flow Grappling. So you, it's not necessarily that you get everything, but you get a lot. So like uh, you, you, get a, you get a lot of the fights, at the, even at the lower belts, you get a lot of the fights, all the major events. If you love watching Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. so it's worth oh, getting yeah, Absolutely, like man. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool, man. Uh, it's like a Netflix. It's basically Netflix for, for uh, Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Hey, what more can you ask for? There you, you know? go. There you go. Um but yeah, man, we've got a lot of cool stuff to look forward to in 2017. Hell yeah, man. I think that's it, that's it man. I, I think we're good too. I think we Thank you very much for... Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we covered a lot of stuff there. I'm going to... You've given me a hard task to try and find links <laughs> <laughs> to all the stuff. Maybe I'll just do the fights to watch for yes, 2016. No problem. I can I'll find write a link to that. I'll find the link to that. Uh, Ricky, I want to say thank you very much for coming on and blessing us with your incredibly geeky jiu-jitsu wisdom. Thank you for having me, man. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, if you come to the UK this year i'll get you on again for another discussion episode yes we can talk about whatever's going on and whatever's coming up and uh maybe i'll be out here same time next year and we can do a review (laughs) of all the stuff that you're saying to look forward to and then uh what we're going to look forward to the year after but uh thank you very much for coming on ricky cheers thank you for having me man so guys that is it um as you can see ricky has some serious knowledge he knows (laughs) He knows everyone in the scene, um, really likes to study the game and the art and stuff like that. So uh, very, very cool to catch up with him and get his view on everything that's going on at the moment. <clears throat> As usual, if you want to contact the podcast, it's the Podcast at gmail.com. Um, I just like to say as the first episode of 2017, um, I want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to the podcast uh, for the last six months since I started it. Uh, in summer of 2016 and I'm looking forward to putting out a lot more episodes I'm going to try and be a lot more consistent in 2017 try and get an episode out uh, every two weeks and possibly even increase that to weekly Um, I'm going to look to try and get a video component to the episode as well so you can watch it on YouTube as well as listening to it on iTunes and whatever on your phone or your laptop and uh, in the future get some live episodes up as well so a lot of exciting stuff, hopefully, to come this year. And uh, I look forward to making it for you guys. So take it easy. I'll catch you soon.